don't know what we're going to do. 470. On the break. On the project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. How are you today? I'm fine. I just had a mild stroke through the uh, through the intro, but I'm good now. Yeah, well, you know, it happens. It happens. You, we'll be fine. We'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's only the heart. They've got others out there. Well, stroke happens in your brain, but anyway. <laughs> well, it can you happen know. in other places, I guess. Depends it's where a, you have your stroke, but anyway. It's a, it's a gooey pink thing. I'm sure they're all interchangeable. It'll be fine. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> How how's how you been? I've been great. How about yeah. you? Yeah, um, I've been working my ass off. Ah man, that gets in the way sometimes, hey? It does. Mm. Stupid thing. Mm. Mm. Why can't life understand that there's two things that I have to do that's really important, other than parenting? That's mm-hmm. it. Mrs. is listening, um, and that's rugby league project and mm-hmm. the podcast. Exactly. What do I have to go and pay bills for? Surely we're famous enough now that we don't need to pay bills. Well, I, I think we're at least famous enough to start um, tax evasion, you know? Surely. So bills is like the next step, isn't it? I, I just follow the Wesley Snipes fame index. <laughs> hey, that's a tried and true method. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, been a big week in footy, apparently. Yeah, there's been get, a lot happening. I didn't a get lot. to see much of what happened on the field. I got but to I, see a lot. Uh, I got to see some very good performances, some very bad performances, and then there was a lot of off-field stuff as well. And mm. uh, it all seemed to start in the Panthers versus South Sydney game, where the Panthers looked fantastic once again. They really... Uh, they really put it to South Sydney in that game. But then at halftime walking off the field, we had a 15-year-old uh, yell out something that was racist to Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. And the discourse around that, I feel as though, has been um, varied in its quality because when the this teenager yelled whatever they yelled at, Latrell Mitchell, they ran off because they were called out on it immediately and they were kicked out of the stadium. And it seems to me that that's that's the tolerance level that rugby league should have for something like this, you know, zero tolerance. Um, If you're going to start yelling stuff like that at anyone at a footy game, go away. We don't want you at a football game. Yeah. And I, but I think that a lot of the discourse around it has been, um, I don't know. Some of it's been attention-seeking and some of it's been misguided. A lot of it has been very well-meaning. I do have to say that. But I don't know. I just saw the whole instance as rugby league had a zero-tolerance stance on this, and it it was great that that person was kicked out of the stadium immediately because – you know, nobody from any background should have to put up with that bullshit at a rugby league game. And so, yeah, it was, uh, but then you, you got a lot of toxic discussion around it as well, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I'm a bit, 
I'm a bit frustrated about this. As as we know, I'm I'm not a fan of what the um the way the mainstream media runs when it comes to commentating on non on the field matters with rugby league. Mm. And I think if we cast our minds back, was it two years ago when Latrell was in the process of leaving the Roosters for South? Mm-hmm. And there was it felt like a month where his character was being assassinated by a bunch of absolutely stupid bullshit. Most of it coming from James Hooper. Remember there was the oh he's turned his back on his on his roots and he's driving around in three hundred and fifty thousand dollar Mercedes then found yeah. out that it wasn't his car. Yeah. And, and it then, wasn't three hundred and fifty thousand dollars either. Yeah. And then when the bushfires of uh, 2019, 2020 were, were destroying the country, Latrell was at his property, which is, you know, in the country, not in the city. He's up there and he was helping put out some of those fires mm. um, because, you know, that's what you do out there. It's not about trying to, you know, self, self-glorifying self any of that sort of shit. You're mm. looking after your property and you're looking after the people's properties around you because... If you don't, no one else will. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. So he's out there doing that. And Mr. Hooper doesn't come out and give him praise for that. There's no retractions for the shitty road about the fucking Mercedes, um, the fact he turned his back, none of that. No retraction from any of that. And But what it did is it created a narrative that Latrell's an asshole. Mm. And idiots, they're the only ones who will eat this up. Idiots will buy that and they'll they'll swallow that hook, line and sinker. And they're the fucking idiots that go around and say all oh, this racist shit because they think it's okay because the media has told them some sort of, in their mind, in a quotation marks, truth, and they haven't. Yeah. All they've done is destroyed his, his, um, his, his reputation. And for what? Clicks. Yeah, when, it, when you get various media organisations that are engaging in character assassination of somebody um, and on a very regular basis and very widespread across the corporate media. Um, it, it, you know, shock horror, that person is going to have a, a perception amongst a certain section of the public where it's not good. And it doesn't matter if all of its lies or whatever, like the corporate media doesn't care. They'll lie their ass off about everything and as you say there's never an apology over things they get wrong and so yeah you get these situations where you know people don't like certain players in the game or certain coaches or whoever and it's just you know that the 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 signals that are put out there by the corporate media don't line up with the reality of the person that they've been going on about non-stop and yeah, people pick up on it. We've talked about this in the podcast so much. Like you will see people on Twitter and I know Twitter's the worst fucking guidance reference for anything on planet earth at the moment, but that's why we're you know, on there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you'll see people will, will bag the mainstream media about like stories and stuff. And then they will quote the mainstream media's opinion on something that you know is wrong. And it's like, you know, you can't you can't say that the mainstream media is, you know, engaging in poor practices and then just completely follow the beat of their drum. 
um and yeah it does it it you know they create they create circumstances around certain players where they're hated for whatever reason and it's like you know what it's like daly cherry evans was one of them they did it around for a very long time probably far yeah, Robbie Farrab, although Farrah had some things that you could point to where it was like, this seems weird, that seems weird, you know? Um, weird, yes, but not hateful. Well, but, he's never done anything hateful. You know, a lot of these players don't do hateful things, and I'm saying a lot of them. I'm not and saying this, all of them. You and, know? That, and that's exactly right. And that's the thing is that because they don't do, you know, if, if, they, if they speak up about something, you find this is a common thing. And, um, you know, we had it with Adam Goods in the AFL as well as, you know, in the 90s, Nicky Winmar. When they spoke up in, in the AFL world, because it seems to have been a more deep-rooted issue within AFL, this um, racist attitude towards Indigenous people. Mm. When they speak up about it, they get targeted harder. And I just think, surely, surely, it's 2023, Surely we can be a bit more fucking mature and grown up about this shit now. But when I went to school, everyone was white and Catholic. My daughter goes to school and there's very few white and Catholic people there. It's a magnificent mix of people from all over the world and all different cultures. And she just sees them all as other humans. And how come we've still got teenagers in Sydney, which has mm. got, it's got to be one of the, you know, if it's not Melbourne, it's Sydney. It's got the most amazing multicultural bloody melting pot things you know, that's the little language they use of different cultures and races and religions and everything like that and you don't see wars going on in suburbs and stuff like that sure there might be some communities that don't like one another because of what happened in the past but it's nothing that gets out of control and goes fucking crazy people are usually all pretty balanced and calm and passive about it all and yet we still get teenagers turning up to games, being fucking dumb cunts, abusing people and being racist towards them. Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it either. I mean, I, I've talked about I grew up in Tregear, which was like when I think about, you know, and it, we used to call it multiculturalism. I don't know what they call it anymore, you know, because terms change. But I, I just it was just normal. You know, my friends were Samoans and Tongans and Fijians and Aboriginals and just they were just from everywhere. I I just thought it was normal. I thought that's how everyone was. And so I just don't understand it. And, uh, you know, the other thing I don't understand is going to a football game and not being able to control your emotions. And I don't mean like cheering on your team and, you know, being like, ah, oh, the other team, you know, they made a mistake and all that, you know, all that stuff's cool. But I I don't understand people that are at football games swearing their heads off or fighting. Like when I went to that World Club Challenge game a few weeks ago and there were people fighting in the stands after the game and I'm like, the fuck is wrong with these people? It's a football game, you know, what the fuck? It just made no sense to me. I've never understood people that go to footy games and just, I don't know, it's like they they can't control themselves, but I'm guessing it's people that can't control themselves in, you know, regular society anyway. Uh, it's, it's very weird, and I think the fact that in this instance we saw the game basically, and, and the people that, that uh, 
you know, run the game day experience at Penrith Footy Stadium, whether you say they're the officials or, you know, the security or whoever you want to say did it, they found this person and said, get out of here. We don't want you here. And for me, I sort of looked at that and said, well, that's the game working. That That's what we want. Yeah. And I think that some of that has been lost in the conversation around what happened. And look, it's terrible. Latrell said anybody shouldn't be going to a footy game and having that shit said to them in any capacity. Like, we're there to watch a game of rugby league. And as much as you could hate the opposition, like if I think of the most hated opposition I've ever had in my entire life, it wasn't about that sort of thing. It was like, I want to beat them in the football game. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you don't win, it's not the end of the world either. And if you can't control yourself, fuck off. Yes, to to quote a uh, English comedian, David Mitchell, the football is going on forever. So you know what? Just relax, people, for fuck's sake. There's next year. And well, take yeah. it from a bloke who follows a team that hasn't played finals football for 11 years. There's always another year. <laughs> I mean, if anyone knows misery. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've just, um, I've never understood that thing of like completely losing it. Or I think sometimes it's an excuse to lose your self-control over a football game. I, I've never understood it because I, I've been disappointed. I've been angry at results and stuff like that, but I've never lashed out and taken it out on others or I, I just don't understand it. I really don't. If you need an outlet, take it out using stats. That's what I do. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, it's it's passive aggressive, it's sassy, <laughs> but it gets the job done. That that's what you want. That that's how you got to do it, people. Trust me, it works. It's good, you know, and plus you come across looking educated. I mean, that's 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 a win win, except for the result on the field. But you know, yeah. <laughs> you know the other thing I've never understood, and it, it I don't know if I'm different in this, but. When my team loses, I focus on my team. I don't tend to focus on the opposition. Yeah. Like, it, it's, you know, I guess it probably does happen where I've been like, oh, they did this, this, or whatever. But for the most part, I think about what my team could have done better and how they could have handled the situation better. So, I don't know. I I just don't understand that whole thing of, like, attacking the opposition, properly attacking the opposition. It's it's a weird thing to me. It's stupid. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Look, while we're on the uh, in the chat of attack, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about how stupid it is, um, but let's let's really go to town on the West Tiger, shall we? Well, because we don't do that very often. I, I figure we should just do this first and get it out of the way and have a bit of a purge just for this week. Okay. Until I need to do it again next week. Okay. Well. I guess, can I start off? Please. Um, I watched the West Tigers play on the weekend. You have my commiserations? (laughs) (laughs) And it was, uh, there's no improvement. They they do have more talent in the side. Mm. But it's, it's not exactly giant leaps in talent. But I just don't see any improvement. And I just, when I watched them, it felt like, what we have talked about, which is 
you can't completely bottom out and think that you're going to just turn it around really quickly by buying players from elsewhere. And, you know, some of the same problems exist. I think it's just overall, it's just a really poorly run club. And the weird thing for me in all of it, it, like you can talk about Tim Sheens, you can talk about, you know, the front office and all that, but this complete commitment and this steadfast, we will not change this around Luke Brooks, I find very, very strange. And then the other thing that came out of that game was the Jackson Hastings thing where, <laughs> um, look, Jackson Hastings is weird because he was at the Roosters and they show, and he was for a while, he was like, he was one of those juniors where people were like, you watch Jackson Hastings, right? He's, mm. he's a good young player come through. He's at the Roosters. They chose to move on from him pretty quickly. And that was a big decision by them, you know, because he was he was supposed to be the next halfback for the Roosters. And then he goes to Manly, and there's some off-field stuff there. And it, it wasn't anything sinister, but it seemed as though there was just a little bit of disruption in whatever way you want to look at it. And the Manly Seagulls said, look, you're probably better off leaving. And so we left, went over to England, went to, I think he went to Salford, was there for a little bit, did very well there. Then he went to Wigan, did pretty well there as well. And then he's come back to the West Tigers. And for whatever reason, there was just something going on there. I don't know what it was. He's left the West Tigers very quickly. He's gone up to Newcastle. And it just feels as, you know, some players, they've just got drama around them. And sometimes yeah. it is them and sometimes it isn't them. For whatever reason, he's got a little touch of that drama around him. And we saw it after the game. And I just thought it was weird how it all played out. And he seemed pretty... It was funny when he was talking. I don't know if you saw the post-match. No, I did. Said in, in the post-match thing where he was like, look, I, it's not for me to talk about this in the media. And it's like, hey, Jackson. You got a microphone in front of your son. You talk <laughs> and your ma- media, and mate. your mouth's moving with voice coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, and he's there and he's going, oh, "I've never played for you know the the coaching staff here at Newcastle. Fantastic! I want to just shout out, you know, Adam O'Brien and all the coaching staff. They've been so good for me this year. It's been a real, it's been a fresh change. It's been amazing. And it's like, Jackson, Jackson, do you know what you're doing? And I don't know, there was something about that, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, like... The thing is, though, at the end of the day, the the incident itself was an accident that caused this, you know, on the field. Yeah. There was very little in it. It was an accident. I think, though, it did give um, the Tigers player a, a bloodied nose or something like that. But, broke yeah, his nose, like it, yeah. Oh, they broke his nose. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a genuine accident. I don't think I've ever seen anything from Jackson Hastings at any time of his career that suggests that he's a dirty player or a grub or anything like that. He's never no. been that sort of player. But yeah, yeah, the drama thing, you're right. That's always been there. Um, and, and when I he was over, if if you, someone breaks your nose and they come up to you and say, "I'm sorry, I broke your nose," you got you're within your rights to say, "Hey, how about fuck you?" Yeah. So exactly. I had no problems with that either. No, no, there was nothing wrong with that. I, I got no trouble what went on. Um, I just made a joke about it, that's all. 
because yeah. I, I saw the footage being replayed by Fox Sports on Twitter, and I just you know replied to it and saying, <laughs> "Did the Tigers get a post contact meter for that?" Yeah, <laughs> I can do with it. The thing I did have a problem was with, with Nathan Clammer flapping his gums. David like, Fleming, yeah. Yeah. It's like, shut up. It was good to see him, though, fire up. It's a shame it didn't happen in the 80 minutes before that incident. Exactly. Um, but, yes, that, that is an aside. Um, I've got to ask you something. Mm. And this, this is based on all of the media that we had coming out of the Tigers in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um. How well do you think this current Tiger side stacks up against its prototype that it's being um, copied from, which is the 2005 side? Well, I think I think it lines up really well. Against, <laughs> if anything, I think they're better than the 2005 side, and I'll tell you why. Because most of those players are in their 40s and 50s now. <laughs> this, is, this is true. This is true. <laughs> I don't think any of those players from 2005 are still playing if you actually check, look into it. No, uh, no. Except Daniel Fitzhenry probably is somewhere. <laughs> He's still be playing somewhere. <laughs> He's still got 20 years left in those leagues. <laughs> oh, shit. But, yeah, it's uh, – I, I look at their team and I'm just – and the – the thing that gets me is the errors. Like Oliver Gildart must look at it and say, "Yeah, that's how I was playing last year. Just <laughs> dropping the ball every fucking set." And look, I know I said it in the off season, I said, "You know, the game has changed since Tim Sheens was last a coach here." Okay, and the way it's changed is the only way you're successful is if you work off the back of good defence. Look at the best five time, best five teams in the last ten years. It's been, you know, Penrith, Melbourne, South Roosters, and probably the Sharks, I guess. Um, and the Cowboys are now becoming one of those teams. Mm-hmm. All one for the back of very strong, consistently solid defence. They're not going out there completely destroying teams every fucking week. They're not going out there winning games forty to thirty-eight. There's grinding teams down, and they're putting them away. And they might be running away with the game in the final end, but that's only through their defence destroying the opposition yeah. and creating that opportunity later on. And it's something that Tim Sheens has never understood as a concept, is defence. Never. Not once. Not even when he had the, the Raiders at their absolute best did he have a team that was designed around strong defence. With the Raiders, he had a team that was <laughs> out of this world fucking good. Yeah, one of the best ever. Yeah, like, you can't lose. In fact, it's it's actually an indictment on his career that he only got two premierships with that fucking side. Yeah, so it, it is strange, isn't it? Yeah. It is strange. Um, and then he only, he only made the finals three times after the 1994 season. I think that's when he left the Raiders. It's, it's, uh, was there in 95? He might have been there in 95. But it's, it's a rather atrocious record. And I don't see why people are sitting there pining over him being some great coach when the only time he's been able to win premierships is when he's had out-of-this-world fucking once-in-a-generation superstars in the teams he's had. It, that, it, and, and if that's the case, anyone can coach that team to a premiership. He didn't create that team and build it up and make them those superstars. They were that raw fucking talent. I mean, you put any person in 1994 in front of a team that's got Brett Mullins, Noah Nadruku, Ken Nagus, 
uh, Ruben Wiki, Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Mal Meninga, David Ferner, Steve Walters. Jared you know, Croker. I mean, fucking hell. Heather, uh, fucking Brett, what was it, Brett Hetherington off the bench? <laughs> like, it, it, the fact that I can still remember half the fucking run on side yeah. shows you how strong that team was. Anyone, anyone who's done any coaching at any time in their career could have got that Raiders team to a grand final. Tim Sheens is not the fucking master coach people think he is. We're seeing it now. We saw it for the majority of his time at the West Tigers. He was there in 2003. He finished in 2012. Ten seasons, he made the finals three times. How is he a super coach? He's not. And they come back Marshall and they Marshall in the side. Yeah. A fucking once-in-a-generation bloody superstar. The thing and, that gets me is that he come in last year to do a review of the club, said, you need to sack the current coach. Which you called out was going to happen straight away. Yep. <laughs> you need to sack the current coach, and the best person for the job, guess who it is? You are so lucky because it's me, right? And so and he puts himself... What are the chances? What are the I know, chances? Right? I just You just walked into this bloke, and he's just standing there in front of you. Just the odds are infinitesimal. <laughs> Even if that's a word, right? <laughs> but he, so he gives himself the job and then he goes on a big spending spree, brings all of these players in from all over the place. Uh, they pick up a few players, you know, player swaps, stuff like that. And they, they start like this. And it's like, well, Tim, is this your plan? Because if it's not your plan, what the fuck is going on? It's... The worst part, okay, is I, I need to I need to be clear about this too, okay. Um, Luke Brooks is shit, right? Yes, it's over. It, it's over. It's Sean Johnson over, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely in that that area. Mm. I'm also going to say this though. It's going to sound like it's in his defence, but it's not. Um, there's no structure around him. I've yeah. never seen a football club on the field that has no structure around their halfback. And I can support that by saying the way you get structure around a halfback, it always comes from the play the ball. And you watch the Tigers at the play the ball when they're in attack. Coruscant gets the ball. And he doesn't know what to do. It's not because well, Coruscant shit. It's because there's no fucking structure in place. Mm. So we don't know what we're doing. He really looks... He looks plugged. He looks like he's just been plugged into the side, doesn't he? It doesn't look like they he's, have. He's just it, doing it, what Little was doing. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange, <laughs> and you can see he is doing, as an individual, he's doing what he can, but there's nothing behind him. Yeah, there's it's nothing. really weird to watch. And so when he's got no structure around him, his first instinct, as it is for any hooker is I'll get it to the halfback because the structure's always going to be designed around the halfback. Mm -hmm. Brooks gets it, and there's fucking nothing still. Mm -hmm. So Brooks is going to do, well, I've got to pull something out of my ass. And the reason why it's like that is because when Sheens was last at the club, he had Robbie Farrow that would create shit out of dummy half because he had to because there was no structure around him. Mm-hmm. And the person he dished the ball to, if he couldn't find something to do, was a bloke with the most insane fucking sides that the world's ever seen. Yeah, who could probably, I mean, how many players have you seen in your lifetime 
that could do more with no structure than Benji Marshall. Like, there's not many. Exactly. An absolute freak athlete. Mm. There's there's no other way around it. He's a once in a generation type player. We won't see anyone like him ever again. And in, in, you know, if we do, it'll be an absolute bloody uh, miracle. Mm. But there'd been there was no one like him previously. He was I think insane. that the the thing that gets me too is that the that a lot of the players he brought in are win now players, or at the very least build something now players. Yeah. And so if they don't build something now, when he hands it over in his grand fucking scheme to Benji Marshall, who is going to turn into a coach, by the way, the fucking ego to be able to just say, I'm going to turn a guy into a coach. And Benji Marshall knows as much about football as anybody ever, right? It's This isn't a slight on Benji Marshall. So, but... The, the idea that you just are going to create a coach we've seen time and time again doesn't work. You're either a coach or you're not. And exactly. I hope Benji, I hope I hope Benji's the coach. It'd be fantastic if he is. But not knowing that to say, oh yeah, I'll make him a coach, is pretty crazy, <laughs> you know. But when he does hand that over, Coruscant, Clemmer, players like that, you know, they they're going to be getting ready to age out. So what's he going to be leaving? There's, there'll be nothing there. Mm. This is And this is a crazy thing. He's not... The structure that they've got at the moment is not a go-forward structure. Like when, when the first instinct for Coruscant is to run sideways towards his halfback, and the halfback's first option is to have to run sideways because there's no one running a line off him either way. Mm-hmm. How have you got, how have you managed to get one of the best, you know, line running props the game had seen for a while in Clamour? Now, he wasn't going to make a lot of line breaks, but he ran always ran straight and hard, which made him hard to bring down. That's all you need from a prop. How have you got that? And then one of the best line running edge forwards in Isaiah Papali'i and got them both being completely ineffective in the space of a fucking week. How has he yeah. done that? That's atrocious. Yeah, uh, and and on top of that, their discipline is it's just non-existent oh, in terms of holding the ball, and it's like it's because what, everything they do is a panic play. Yeah, it really is, and it's like what were you doing through the whole off season? If the, you had a grand plan, you come in and you said the person to fix the club is me and to coach the club, and I'm going to give myself the job, and then you've got the whole off season, you bought players, and this is what's happening. The and to top it all off, right, is as I said before, the whole off season, the media was happy to peddle all of fucking Sheens' big PR talk about how great the Tigers are gonna be in two thousand and five and all this sort of wank. And they peddled his his PR shit because that's what he does. He does PR like nobody else. And they did all of this. They did it. They were doing it all last year. They were pushing the whole how great it is to have Tim Sheens back, all sort of stuff, while also driving a narrative that it's time for Madge to go. And today they come out with an article about oh, poor Madge. You know there was no support around him. Going, if you knew there was no support around him now, why didn't you fucking say that last year instead of trying to push him out of the club? And why? Because they wanted Sheens there. Why? Because Sheens will tell them stories. And now they're saying, oh, maybe Sheens isn't the right man for the job. I'm going. 
I fucking hate how the the, the mainstream media, and it's Paul Kent this time, they do this fucking constantly going around in circles bullshit. Yeah. There's no integrity to it. The it's, other thing is I, I don't understand why the West Tigers chairman is... Still employed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I don't understand is why the West Tigers chairman um, is is being in the media so much. Um, it's, it's it's not his role. It's not what a chairman of a club is supposed to do. And, you know, when when you're this bad as a football club, just stop talking, you know? Mm-hmm. Stop. The, it's, it's like watching bloody rugby union in Australia where the entire press for rugby union in Australia is promises that they never keep. It's like, oh, running rugby. Oh, we're building something. Oh, we're going back to the ground. And it's like, it's all just promises that are just lies and bullshit. But that's all it is, nonstop. It's just constant churning that shit. Um, the, just stop talking, West Tigers, and start doing something because the talk is just making it worse. All the promises are making it worse. All this thing about... You know, oh, we're changing, we're doing this, that. It's making it worse. Like, the way to get people back, the way to get fans back, the way to make fans happy again is to actually change what's happening on the football field. Because West Tigers fans don't give a fuck about anything else. West Tigers fans, honestly, don't give a fuck about your centre of excellence that you're building. They don't care. If you've got a, you could have the greatest centre of excellence in the world. If you're losing football games, no one gives a fuck. That's exactly right. And the great thing was is that last week was member appreciation round. It, it's, mm. I just can't, I can't imagine what it's like being a West Tigers fan when it's like over a decade of missing the finals, two games in, it looks hopeless again. It's like, what are you supposed to do for the footy season? The thing, you know? that's, the thing that's irritating is for so long, and look, the listeners will know that I've whinged about this an awful lot, but the stuff that I mention all the time is easy enough to fix if you put the right coaching system and structures in place. Instead of just buying whatever random humans available, you build the squad that works best for what the coach wants. And the club needs to make sure that the coach has, the you know, has the, the, the final say in how his roster looks, not the other way around. And the problem with the Tigers is that the blokes running the club in the committee, they think that they're Sir Alex Ferguson. They can control everything and they're fucking awesome because they, they run a football club. They're clueless fucking idiots. And the sooner they get out of what goes on on the field and the roster, the sooner the, this club can start going about actually improving and moving in the right direction. But while they go around and they do this whole shit where they go and hire this stupid old fuck who's out of touch when they, you know, when he left and he hasn't changed or adapted the way he coaches to the way the game's played now, he couldn't even be successful in England. And he had a, that was, that was back when, you know, Southwood had a bit of money in the salary cap to build a decent squad. And it was a decent squad they had when he was coaching there. They weren't atrocious and he went to Hull KR they weren't atrocious either. They'd just come up. Um, he very nearly sent them back down to championship again. 
he's proven to be a failure for the best part of the last 11 years as a coach. Why did they let yeah. him come back and tell them that he was the solution over a bloke who'd won a premiership in both England and Australia in the last 10 years, something that Sheens has not done? The, the other thing that gets me is, you know, for all the talk from certain board members at the Tigers and the CEO of the Tigers, I would like them to come out and say exactly when they are accountable for the losses year on year on year on year. When are they accountable for that? And at what point does it? do they set a standard where they say, if it gets to this point, I will resign for the betterment of the club? Because it's not their role for forever. And this club hasn't been in the finals for a decade in the salary cap era. The only team that hasn't done it in the decade. It's almost impossible. Yeah. So when are they accountable? And even, the, the even answer is they—they're not. They—they're like we're a decade into this, more than a decade into it, and they're saying, you know what? We've got the answer. <laughs> like, why didn't you have the answer fucking ten years ago? They—it's staggering. There's there's nothing about them at the moment that looks like um, they're going to improve in a hurry. No. If if Sheen think that you can just play attacking football to get your way out of this. A, it's not been effective what he's teaching because their attack is dreadful. Mm. Um, and B, their defense is not so bad, and it's largely because Coruscant is there and he's doing a fuck ton of work off the ball in defense to try and make sure that their middle isn't being completely destroyed. And he's doing a reasonably good job there. But I'd argue that the reason why you buy... Um, a top-of-the-line premiership winning hooker is not because you want him to help your defence in the middle, and that's it. Mm. That's not Coruscant's strength. But he's very good defensively, but he's much better in attack. And at the moment, we're only using, like, 45% of his ability, and it's stupid. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But, you know, that it's 10 years of it. Ten years of the same shit, and well, the people, just, the people yeah. that are going to ch- turn it around, are the same people that started it. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the crazy thing is the fact that it's been a like every, nearly every single fan will accept that there's going to come a time as a supporter that your team's just going to go shit for a few seasons. Mm. It's bound to happen. You're going to have a period where things are going great, and you've got this massive generational. Um, you know, situation where you've just got this massively awesome squad and they hang around for a few seasons together. But yeah, as you said, the salary cap thing will eventually come out and they'll leave it out and they'll start picking the squad apart and spreading the talent around. And that great time will disappear. But it'll bounce back. And history will show that it has happened to every single club. They Nearly every single club, they bounce back after a while. Somehow this club has managed to go Slightly worse every single year until it got to the bottom and they've gone, I'm sure we can do worse than last year. (laughs) Let's give it another crack. It's kind of impressive. It is. Now, speaking of impressive, I've got got a few stats just to lighten the mood a little bit now. Okay. These ones are put on Twitter. The Dolphins have done in the last seven days what the Tigers have done in the last eight months. 
Wow. Win two games. <laughs> the Dolphins have done in the last seven days what the Tigers haven't done since 2018, and that's beaten the Roosters and the Raiders in the same year. <laughs> and this West Tigers side has now lost their last four games at Leichhardt, which is the worst for the West Tigers at the venue. There's only been four other times in the history of Balmain West and the West Tigers where there was a losing streak that was worse than that, and each time it was five games. They had um, going back. Balmain, 1994-97. West, 1987-92. Balmain in 1973, they got the spoon that year. And West in 53-56. Wow. Mm. So they're really, uh, they're setting some bad records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're fucked. Yeah, and, and when I look at the rest of the league this year, and it seems like we're this, this looks like a really good year in the NRL so far. Um, they're the one team that you kind of look at and you're like, I don't, I don't see. It just seems helpless, you know. Um, and it seems very familiar. It, you know, we even saw on the weekend the. St. George Illawarra Dragons, who they played against the Titans. The, the Titans come out, started the game very well, and you thought this is going to be a blowout. And then the Titans stopped playing completely. I just crazily just stopped playing. And St. George, to their credit, fought back and, and won that game and won it pretty pretty well as well. Um, and I'm watching that game, and I'm like, this is barely any first graders in this Dragons team. And yet somehow, once again, Anthony Griffin has got more out of this team than they deserve to get out of this team. And at least you can point to that. And then you look at the West Tigers, and I'm like, no, nothing. The two teams that have had a bye already, Manly and the Dragons, so they've only played one game. They've both already scored more points than the West Tigers have in two. (laughs) That's terrible. Manly's got 31, Dragons got 32, Tigers have got 22. Tigers, all this talk about how great their attack's going to be, already after two games, worst attack in the comp. Yeah. <laughs> but at least their defence is mediocre. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that That's that's just baffling, that is. Um, yeah, on the, on the Titans, and as much as we've just had an absolute rampage over the West Tigers and how shit they are. I don't think I've seen in the last few years a team that can turn off and completely have all their memory of how rugby league should be played completely wiped from their memories. Yeah. Like the Titans. It's really weird. And (laughs) especially when you look at their lineup and you're like, they have so many like representative stars. They have the best prop in the game and, in Big Tino, um, so much experience. Like I know their their outside backs aren't great, but everywhere else they're actually really good for talent, and they can just stop playing dead. It's very weird, and you just got to wonder. Like, you know, Justin Holbrook. He, it's not that he doesn't have the players. I just don't think he can coach. You know. Um, and he gets them, like, the thing that got me is they stopped playing after 20 minutes when they looked like they were going to score 50. They stopped they playing were. after 20 minutes, and you're thinking, okay, get them at halftime. 
and you turn this around. This is this is fine. And they didn't turn up in the second half either. And it's like, well, what's the coach doing? <laughs> I, I know. I was, I was watching the – I got to watch most of the first half of that game. And then I missed about 20 minutes, just either side of halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to turn it back on. I've gone, am I watching the highlights of another game for some other time of the year, like last year or something like that? Mm. It looked – the structures and the systems that they were using in that first half, they were simple, effective – um, and the dragons were were struggling with it. Mm. They didn't. They couldn't find a way to get through it. They couldn't find a way to keep the attack out. They were just hanging on. And then the second half, it was like the dragons went, "Oh, we figured it out." Mm. <laughs> and the titans go, hands in the air. Oh, you got us. <laughs> okay, you can have the game. You figured us out. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, very weird. They just roll over, show you their belly. And it's uh, Anthony Griffin, as you said, he, he he finds a way to get you know good results out of average lineups, whereas Justin Holbrook does the opposite. Yeah, can you imagine if you you switch them as coaches, like <laughs> oh, yeah. like if you put if you put Griffin in that coaching role at the the Titans. Is there any question they don't make... Like, they're a finals team. You get them in the finals. Yeah, 100%. And I'm watching... Like, and it's just a whole... Like, Sexton needs to be in the side. He played pretty damn good for a rookie last year. I think you could line him up with uh, Ilias at at South Sydney. Like, they, they both would make mistakes, as young halfbacks do. They both learned lessons. You could see that you could see Sexton improving as the season went on. He's out of the side completely. Um, Kieran Foran's coming into the side, and it's like I wish we had some sort of warning sign about how Kieran Foran plays when he's not at Manly. I wish we'd seen that at a couple of other clubs at some point, and how it can be a giant waste of time and money. And then on top of that, you've got David Fafita who fucking just lazily takes a couple of million bucks out of the club and says, you know what, I, I know I played like shit the last couple of seasons, but I'm here now. I'm focused now. And then they get a chance to get out from his fucking contract and they sign him again. Uh, what the fuck is wrong with them? It's, it's like Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> I know. And they, they fucking trumpet it like it was a positive i had a a broncos fan because i said something about this on twitter during the week and a broncos fan say thank god we didn't sign him (laughs) and and i I was like yeah you dodged a bullet it's really good for the broncos that they didn't sign david for because the fucking days after he re-signs with them he plays like garbage yep and it's like well you fucking re-signed up for it exactly Crazy. He's a great second rower on 500 grand a year. And and it's like, at this point, it's like you have to play him on the bench because you can't have his inconsistency in your starting side. Imagine putting a million dollar player on the bench. Fucking crazy. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know what you do with him. He's the sort of player who needs a coach constantly on his ass and giving him clear direct order. He would go Mm. very well under um, Trent Robinson, Ivan Cleary, Wayne Bennett, Craig Bellamy. 
those are the only and maybe Demetrio. Demetrio seems to get get his forwards working pretty well. Yeah, he does. Um, but that's that's what he needs. He needs that guidance and that straight up direction. And I need you to do this and be hard on his ass the whole time as a forward. Um, he might have he might have been slightly more consistent at Canberra, but he wouldn't have been. He still wouldn't have been worth a million dollars a year. No. So Canberra also got out of a, a silly situation there by looking at him. I agree. Um, and the, the other thing is too, I, I think what you need is to say to him, I want you running off this dude's hip, right? And then you go, like say, and I'll just use him as an example, like uh, Nathan Cleary. I want you hanging off Nathan Cleary's hip the whole time in attack and then have Nathan Cleary talking to him the whole time. You know, you need some something like that happening in the site because I'm watching them and he's popping up all over the field. And yeah. sometimes you like to see that from a player. You like to see the threat across the field. But when a player is directionless, <laughs> you don't want that, you know? He feels like right now he'd be a perfect fit for the Tigers. <laughs> he'd fit right in. You know, a really good example is uh, Katoa down at, at Melbourne this year. And he was at the Warriors. And w- when he broke into first grade, I was like, this this kid can break the line. He's mm. a really handy player. And he didn't get the direct- direction from the Warriors. And I'm going to give them a bit of a pass because of what's been going on in the last couple of years. And they've been just trying to keep afloat as, in terms of being a football team. Yeah. He's gone down there to Melbourne and they've given him a real specific role. And you saw on the weekend, he was charging through the line a couple of times. And that's what David Fafida needs. He needs that sort of just really straightforward, I'm not going to ask you to do 50,000 different things. I just want you to run this line off of this player, and that's it. Mm. And if Holbrook can't work that out, then he's not the right man for the job. No, I think Holbrook's been telling him, I need you to be this skillful 5'8", second rower type player. Mm-hmm. And you don't get too many guys who can do that ball-playing second-row thing. Um, no. Like, Wade Graham is the last one I can think of that did that reasonably well. And it's because he started out as a 5'8". And that's pretty much the only way you can do it. There are players that are going to have the ball skills that are really, really good. Um, like, like Yo at Penrith, for example. Mm-hmm. Great ball skills close to the line. But if you needed a 5'8", you're not going to lean on Yo to fill a gap there. He's a forward, whereas, you know, Wade Graham, for example, did start as a as a five eight. So you can put him there. You know, he's still going to understand how that shit works. But Fafita never has been there. But it looks like he's been given the jo- the job of being an extra five eight, as well as being a second rower. And the last person I can think of that was given a role like that was Bryce Cartwright, and it was when he was at the Titans, mm-hmm. and it killed his fucking career almost. Yeah, yeah. And he's still barely holding on to one, you know. Yeah. Arthur has at least said to him, stop with the ball-playing bullshit and just run forward. And yeah. he's starting to get the form back. He's starting to becoming a regular in first grade again. And that's where he should be. That's that's his job. Another one was Curtis Sirenen. Yes. He got yes. dicked around by Tim Sheens at the very start of his career. Same sort of thing. Um, You know... And Sirenum was a bit different because he did come through as a as a five eighth, but 
he was built like his old man. He's too big to be a fucking half. Mm-hmm. Like six foot nineteen and three hundred and twenty kilos. Yeah, you're not going to be a half mate. But you move him to the centres. You get him to work out there, so he gets used to working the lines. He can still use his ball playing skills, and that's where you put him until you move him to the forwards. There's it's the beauty about having the centres there. It's a good halfway point between second row and five eighth. You put him out there for a year or two, and then you move him up. That's what they could have done there. But with Fafita, they seem to think that he's going to be some sort of, like, the second coming of um, Arthur Beetson or something like that. You know what? You're never going to create, recreate Beetson. The closest we probably ever got was Andrew Fafita at his absolute best, and he didn't do it for very long, and he still didn't have the same ball skills that uh, that Beetson had. Beetson mm. was a fucking freak. Mm. You go and watch the way he played the game. You even watch any highlights of Beetson playing football now. And he looked like they just took someone from 1989 and put him in a bloody game in 1960. You know, like, what the fuck is this bloke doing? Yeah, and, and like at the time, you read about it, and it's like at the time they were like, what what is this? What's going on here? Yeah, to like, the point <laughs> where coaches were confused what to do with him. Like, he's yeah. a big bloke. He destroys teams when he runs through them, but he's got these beautiful ball-handling skills. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to, like, he things that he did, which players do all the time now, like um, Paul Gallen did the, this one thing that Beach used to do all the time, which was you knew when he was going to dish out a ball somewhere because he'd run into the line just before he makes impact with the line. He'd turn his back to the defensive line, mm. and he'd either throw a ball left, right, behind. He could throw it anywhere. Gallen always, when he did that, it was always an offload to the, to the bloke standing right behind him, the hooker, and that was it. But Beaton would be able to hit guys left, right, further back, and you hit him with a perfect pass every time. No one's been able to do that since him. And he still did that while still making, still running backwards, making metres to the defensive line and still looking for a runner somewhere either side, left or right. Freak. Yeah. He's playing fucking 4D chess. <laughs> That's what this bloke was. And he did his whole career. No one figured him out even when he retired. Yeah. As I said, and you're looking, we're looking back in the, you know, in the last 10 years at blokes who were only then able to do parts of what Beetson did. You know, the Andrew Fafita had the, the ball running, being able to run like a, a, a back at times mm. across the field and find a, a link runner somewhere. That's something that Beetson did, but that was the only part of Beetson's game he had. You know, Gallon had the, the ability to turn his back to the line and keep keep driving while also looking for a, a play, play to offload to. But that was only one part of Beetson's game that Gallant could recreate. No one's been able to recreate everything Beetson did. And yet they, I get this impression that someone at the Titans thinks that David Fafita can do everything that Beetson did. And I'm here to tell you, no, he can't. <laughs> He's not even going to get close. No. Because Beetson did it every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's it's, the it's, difference. And, and like they recommitted to it, you know. If you don't know how to use a player, but you recommit to it, and he's suit like to, if he was if you if he was actually inconsistent, it would be more consistent than he is, you know. <laughs> um, he can be lazy at times. He can, especially in know, defense. Oh, in defense, he can be tragic, you know. Mm. Um. You know, there was a game, I can't remember what game it was, but he was he was playing out wide in defence and the, the opposition centre was just tearing him apart. It was like they loved it. 
you know. Was that last um, year? I think it was last year towards think, the end of the year. I think last year he played a, one or two games in in the centres because they were mm. trying new stuff out, trying to figure out what the hell to do with him. I wish I could yeah. remember the team he was playing against because I – and it wasn't even a star centre, but it was just like they they just cooked him. They absolutely cooked him. And, uh, yeah, it's – you know, and they re-signed to it. It's kind Cowboys. of crazy. Sorry? It was the Cowboys. And who was his opposition centre? Valentine Holmes. Valentine Holmes. That's it. That's who it was. It was a good centre. <laughs> and he cooked – he fucking kept just – Killing him. He'd have just been sitting there with pure pace. We well, could just say he was like, "Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball," <laughs> like, and he just killed him. Um, and yeah, was, I just don't understand why they recommitted to him because you could. They were, it was, they got out of it, they got through it. It's time to move on. Yeah, and they didn't. It's a, it's, it's a classic Gold Coast, isn't it? It really is. It really, really is. That, that and getting foreign, Kieran foreign. When when they signed Kieran foreign, I was like, okay, look, alongside Sexton, you know, a more experienced player. It, it has all of the alarm bells ringing, but, you know, maybe it'll work out. <laughs> and then I watch it. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a fucking Gold Coast move. Fuck. It is. It is. Oh, it's 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 been horrible to watch. This general a general view of what's happened so far. I know there's been a few games that have been pretty close, and some of the commentators are, you know, they're all barred up over how close some of the games have been, how great they've been. But if we're going to be genuinely honest, quite a lot of the games have had some very, very poor ball handling. They have, but I like I put it down a little bit to early season stuff, which is fair it's, enough. Look, it's possible, but I don't think I don't think I've seen the start of the season look this sloppy for a while. Look, I I can't remember the last time I saw Melbourne playing this poorly with the ball in hand. See, with Melbourne, I I put it down to the fact that they're a very different team this year. And look, losing Munster is huge, absolutely huge. But I I just put it down to like. They're at a different level to where they've been in recent years because they've lost so much experience, especially up front. Yeah. And I think that because they didn't have Munster on the weekend, it just it took away that, you know, Munster's one of the best, what, five players in the world? Yeah, like, comfortably. They're easily in the top ten. I'd say top five. Um, take that out of the team and it's just that drop in quality that, they just couldn't overcome, and and I think that it really killed them. Um, I, I think this this season looks really really close, super super close. Uh, I I still think what we saw Penrith do to Souths and Souths come back. I think that they're two really good teams. Man, what we so good, man. Souths look, man. South even in that loss. There were plenty of teams that Penrith would have flogged on the weekend and South come back a little bit. And Penrith do have that tendency to like beat you and then just sort of coast to the, yeah. to the finish line. Um, and South made that comeback and, and that's a, that's a really cool contest between those teams. Like I can't wait until they face off again. That's going to be so much fun, but they to me look like two teams that are set and I, 
the Cowboys looked set to me, but on the weekend were really disappointing, and that maybe it's chance to reset expectations on them. Uh, maybe they'll be better by the end of the year. I think they will be. Yeah, they haven't been hugely convincing to start the year, and they were they really fell off bad at after half time in that game on the weekend. Yeah, that worried me. That worried me. So the Sharks, I know they're missing Hines, but I feel like there's a, a a for a top side. I feel like there's a low ceiling for them. I feel like that they're gonna their their ceiling is week two of the finals still. I just don't yeah. see that extra for them. Most likely that will be the case. The yeah. problem they've got is so much of what they do is legitimately structured around what Hines is going to do on the field. Yeah. And because he's one of those few halves that will play both sides of the field, um, it's very hard for Braden Trindle, who's good enough to be a regular NRL halfback, yeah. but it's hard for him to replicate that. It's going to be hard for nearly any other halfback to replicate what he does. He's um, a very different player. Very, very yeah. different. Uh, you can tell he's been at the storm because he does the popping up on both sides is something that Jerome Hughes does, and it's something that Cooper Cronk used to do. But the difference between Cronk, Hughes, and uh, Hines is that Cronk didn't have any, um, you know, freakish flair. Mm. What he was was a fucking machine. It's like everything was going through. He's like Rain Man playing football. He he read everything that was going on, and he just did press the right button, and he just did the he made the right decision so fucking often. He didn't have to have flair. He's just methodical, relentlessly methodical about everything he did. Um, whereas Hines and and Hughes, they are very much eyes up football players. They look at what's in front of them. If they see an opportunity that's just opened up, within a second they go, "I'm fucking through that." And they t- they they are not afraid to change a plan if they think there's an opportunity that's come up. Um, Cleary does the same thing. Yeah, Cleary's very good at it. Um, you, you see, Cleary sort of he, he can see that the play is set up for a, a you know spread the ball out wide somewhere, and he'll look up just as he's about to send the ball out just to have a quick peek to see if that's what the right play is, and you'll go fuck. There's a gap there. I'm on it. I tell you what, with on against South, they they play Jerome Luai more in field. And he, you could see he was doing that as well. And look, they've got to stick with that because sticking him out in the edge is just not work. It doesn't work, you know. And it's not going to work when he doesn't have um, Kikau out there to help him out. Yeah, it yeah. just won't. He's going to be isolated a lot because, like, Garner's a good player and he's got very good lateral movement, but he's not fucking Kikau. No, no, and, and like we know, Luai. They've been using like what twenty percent of his ability because yeah. we saw at the World Cup he is an all-round playmaker on both sides of the field with great kicking game, and you saw it in that game against South. Like he was doing everything. That kick he did, where he got through the line and he was tackled and he was doing the splits and still put in a great kick. That's his ability. Like yeah. the ceiling for him is extremely high. But if you don't use him the right way, you're not going to get the most out of him. And it was nice to see him move more in field. And it, like him and Cleary, they it was just seamless the way that they were working off of each other. Like it's not like it it messes up anything else. So it was good to see that change that they made and the adjustment they made. And to do it against Souths was 
fantastic because, you know, Souths are, are one of the top sides. I actually, watching that game, I actually thought more of Penrith and South Sydney this season somehow. You know, it it was fantastic to see. And, um, man, it, it I think Latrell Mitchell, he was obviously carrying a little bit of an injury. Um, so he's going to be better going forward from that game. But, yeah, those two teams, they put on a hell of a contest and it was it was really cool to see how both teams performed. I love watching South Sydney play. Hey, it's... I, I just love the way Walker works and Elias is it. Oh man, he took a step and it's like seeing a young dude being thrown into the deep end and you're like, the, he gets criticism and, and he makes mistakes and then you see the little things he picks up and he gets things and he, I, I love that. I love watching that with a, with a young dude and he's going to be so good. It's so exciting. It's so okay. bloody exciting to see that. It's been because the thing is, uh, we saw bits and pieces of it last year, and he's been consistent with it and didn't know where he fit in the side because he's got like, you know, these test players and superstars around him in, in the spine in Latrell Mitchell, Damian Cook, Cody Walker. Any young guy's going to come into that spine and be a bit daunted by all those fucking superstars. And so he was trying to find his place and wasn't too sure if he's allowed to, you know, speak over the top or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems in the off-season they've just gone, Lachlan, either fucking talk up or fuck off. And he's out there directing traffic and he's mm. just full of fucking confidence. And, man, he's taken over running the team from the from that halfback role there. It's improved Cody Walker's uh, form because mm-hmm. all that pressure's off Walker now. He just does what he's good at and that's taken on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look threatening. And Cook is running more direct, which is helping a lot too. I Definitely. think when Cook feels that there's not enough um, variation coming out of the halfback, he feels he's got to take that duty on to to take you know to to try and provide that spark. And that's when he gets sideways and nothing happens from him. Yeah. And when the halves are doing all the work and they're doing good work, he just runs straight. And the forwards are they've all been told, I don't want you running. I don't want sidesteps. I don't want you running angles. I just want you running as forward as fast as you can and as far as you can. And I don't want you to stop running. I want your legs to keep moving even when they're not on the ground. Mm-hmm. Keep moving. Just keep them going. I don't care. Keep fucking moving your legs. And that's what they do. All of them. doesn't matter what their name is. Boom. And with Cook going straight and them running direct off him, my God, they are, just, they are tough to stop. They really are. I, I think Ilias got a lot out of the World Cup when he was he's leading Greece around. And I think we see it sometimes when a player goes over to Super League and it it's very clear that it's that's their job and they're empowered by that job. And I think Ilias was empowered by being the star of that Greek Greek team, you know? Yeah. It was like it's definitely me. I've got to do this. I'm the professional in this side. And I think that he probably got a lot out of that. And you can see it. And you could see it in him this year. He's he's much more um he, he's taken on that role as the team's leader in yeah. the in the playmaking. And it's I I love seeing that sort of stuff. When you see a a dude that and then we should be seeing it out of Sexton up at the Gold Coast right now. And we're not, unfortunately. And um He'll man, the club. It, hey? He'll leave the club, Sexton will. 
yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, where would be a really good place for him? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Canberra take him. Yeah, Canberra would be good. Although Ricky Stewart tends to kill young halfbacks, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I something in me just says Whiten's just not going to work as a five eighth. They need to be back to fullback. Well, all of the talk about Whiten, and it's weird when you watch the game. It's like, oh, Whiten, 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 and then you watch him, and it's like he'll do a couple of good things early on in a game, and then the rest of it is just like he's trying to ruin it. You know? Yeah, I just think the, the it's, I just think he's been wasted. But we know he's a good fullback. That that's not up for debate. We know he's a good fullback because he's got that remarkably strong kick return on him. You know, I don't take this as a direct comparison, but when when Josh Dugan was in his first few seasons when he's down there at Canberra, no one's tackling him one on one. The leg drive on Dugan and that that kick return strength that he had on him, White's got the same thing. A strong ball runner, built solidly. Built like a fucking centre, but had plenty of pace about him, and runs without fear. Dugan always had it when he started there, and then Whiten had it as well. And when you, as soon as you put Whiten at five eighth, you've lost that. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking huge thing to have, and especially when the Raiders have got a team that they they like to build around the fact that they've got a, a big forward pack. Nothing helps a forward pack out more than getting a great kick return. And I think they've. I don't think I think that's been the problem that the the Raiders have had is they're, they're kind of starting every set from a from you know flat footed, and it's just it's hard to get their forwards moving forward and being impactful when they're standing around waiting to do a hit up. Yeah, so I I think of White and Moore as a a centre, a big dude. He's got some footwork. He can, you know, I I. When I look at the Canberra Raiders, I think if they had a 5'8", and they just don't have anyone in the club, really, that could step into that 5'8 role. But if they had a, a somebody that could step in and be a 5'8 at that club, and then you put White out in the centres, um, you know, and it, do, it doesn't help the fullback position, like you say, and I agree with you. I think that they need more in terms of getting on the front foot when they start their sets from fullback. But I just think that that makes Canberra a much more formidable lineup if he was out in the centres and they had a decent five eighth. Now, yeah, that's like, oh yeah, it'd be good if they had a decent five eighth. But uh, that's the way I would be going if I was Ricky Stewart. I'd be looking for a, a, a five eighth for that club. Yeah, I agree on the, that front there. Um, Can we talk about something I think is our favourite thing to talk about sure. outside of daylight saving? <laughs> it's coming up soon. I'm getting excited. <laughs> Are you getting excited or angry? Yeah, I've been, I've been, no, no, I've been getting around changing all the clocks to go back to normal time. I'm going, oh, the cows are going to be so much happier now. My curtains are going to be so much better. <laughs> See what I mean? Um, <laughs> Peter Volandi's come out with a weirdly timed, uh, I don't even know what he'd call it, like flagging of the prospect of adding three new teams to the NRL and making it a 20-team competition. Mm. Now, I, to me, it felt like a smother. It felt like he was trying to smother something, and I wonder if it's because the collective bargaining agreement hasn't been signed off on yet, and they're pretty close, and they'll sort it out. But I wonder if they felt like the Players Association was going to come out with something 
that was a bit negative. And so he come out with the thing of, well, we're going to add three teams and that's, you know, 30 man squads. That's, you know, 30, what is it? $36 million worth of extra jobs that will be there. If my plan goes ahead, it felt like a smother, but Mm. let's talk about expansion because we love talking about expansion. Yes. Three Um, teams. Where would you put the three teams? Well, there was apparently part of the press that was leaked to the mainstream media said that one of the teams was going to be the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Remember when the Bears were around? Yeah, so, you know, I reckon what what we'll see. This is not what I want. But because PVL listens to what the media says, we're going to see the North Sydney Bears will come in, the Central Coast Bears will come in, and there'll be a Perth Bears team come in. They'll all be wearing red and black. And um, Jason Taylor will coach one of them. Greg Florin will coach the other. Peter Louie will do the other one. I don't think I could bear that. <laughs> um, That's it, what you did there. The, thank you. <laughs> the other thing that came out of it was this dumb as fuck idea. Of hang, having, on, hang on. Was it from Matthew Johns? It was. How did you know that? <laughs> So I heard dumb as fuck an idea together. I went, it's got to be Matthew Johns. It's dumb as fuck idea that you have a Pacifica team. I don't really know what that's hey, all about. Hang on. So this, this is a team that's just, what, like the Dolphins. It's just going to be based somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Pacifica. Pacific, <laughs> people like saying, I think people like saying Pacifica. Is, 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 this, actually, is this his way of saying that all the people who live on Pacific Islands are all basically the same? I don't even know. Hey, I don't get it. Like, it's just. That's not my opinion, by the way. That's what I think Matthew John thinks of these, of, of people from other cultures. Oh, you're all the same. Just group you all together. We'll Pacifica. call you Pacifica. Pacifica. And, of course, this Pacifica team will be based in Cairns. Because um, <laughs> why would you base, why would you have a, a team that was going to represent any place Pacific Islands based in the Pacific Islands? That'd be dumb. How about we have a team in Tonga, one in Samoa, and one in maybe PNG or Southern New Zealand or the Northern Territory? But look, I even find it weird when people say, oh, we should have a, a Pacific Islands representative team based in New Zealand. It's like, what do you mean, a second New Zealand team? Because that's what it is. Like, Yeah, I'm, I'd be more inclined in... So call me stupid. That's a request. Um, <laughs> but if I think, you know, we're going to have an expansion team, I think we go to to places where we haven't had teams before that mm-hmm. aren't currently being served by a current NRL team. Mm-hmm. That's what I think expansion is. So that's, really, I don't, that's so weird of you, hey? Yeah, I know. So, you know... It's like you last, want to expand the game. What's wrong with you? Oh, look, I'm a bit of a fuddy-duddy. Uh, <laughs> you think... The last two expansion teams we had were the Gold Coast, where we'd already had a team before, and we're currently being serviced by the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I mean, I, I assume that's Redcliffe, but, you know, that's we'll just call it the. Yep. Um, which has also been served by the Broncos. Um, so we didn't expand anything there. We did nothing. So how's about we do that? I would, I'd like to see a team in Darwin. I think more than anything else, we know that Indigenous people play this game and they're fucking good at it. 
give them a team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's enough people in, in the territory to support a team. If if it's okay for 12,000 people in Roselle to be able to have a team to go and watch a few times every year, then surely the several hundred, a few hundred thousand people that live in Darwin can have a team. I, I think... I know, I know you're going to talk about the heat and stuff like that, but you know what? We can, no, no. We can sort that out. No, I look. I'm, I'm. I think that Darwin is definitely on the radar for me, more so than it used to be. Say, maybe seven or eight years ago, it's definitely on the radar. All right, and I think the heat can be sorted out, as you say. Um, for me, the next one has to be Perth. Oh, hands down, that's a given. And then. Look, Adelaide needs a team. You can't just have like nearly two million people in a in a city in Australia and decide that you don't need those people. You know, so but here's the thing: Adelaide needs a team. There's no doubt New Zealand needs a second team, and it's probably overdue. But then that's your three teams. But if you want to have a team that's true expansion really is a chance to have a representation of the NRL in the Pacific Ocean. We're going to Hawaii, baby. Mm. We're going to fucking Honolulu. I love it when we loop back to episode one. I lo- yeah, episode <laughs> one, you know, after 400 X episodes of our podcast, <laughs> I think that- hmm. I think in any in anybody that says they're on Honolulu before me is a fucking liar. First, exactly of, right. Okay, I was first. Yeah. I planted my flag in Honolulu first. Okay, what is the diamond diamond crater? What is that diamond called? Crater. No copperhead crater. Anyway, the big fucking crater there, right there in Honolulu, used right. to be a volcano. Diamond yep. head, diamond head crater. It's a ready-built stadium. <laughs> Imagine if they built it into a stadium. But I'm telling you, that's Bring the place. Bring your own to... chairs. All I need is just a bit of grass and some posts. I reckon. Bring your uh, own lounge chairs. It would be cool as fuck. There's a, a, a decent population there. It'd be the only professional sporting team there. It's 10 hours flight. An evening game in Honolulu is an afternoon match on the east coast of Australia. There's a lot of reasons why I think it would work. Would it cost money? Yeah. NRL's got money. You want to do something is, big and bold? Do that. The only problem is they've got American gun laws. Can we can we change that? Is there Not any chance really, we can just get Hawaii to stop to can we get Hawaii to annex itself from the US? The thing the thing about Hawaii though is that it's kind of like Alaska, like it's you know, it is part of the United States, but it's very different. Yeah, but it don't, I don't think it really wants to be. We'll we'll tell them that narrative anyway. You don't I, really I, want to be with them. Look, I've been there, and it's it's a beautiful place. The temperature is. I, I want to be a weatherman in Hawaii. I really do, because you're like the temperature today. It's going to be 27 degrees tomorrow. It's going to be 27 degrees, then it's going to hit a low of 26 the following day. For hitting 27 again the following day. It's beautiful. And uh, I think you'd get players there. I think it would service the the Pacific Ocean, if that's what you want to do. It's got an economy there. Um, the flights between 
the east coast of Australia to Honolulu are not that expensive. People saying, oh, it's too expensive. It's like, it's not that expensive. And then the thing of like the flight time, it's 10 hours flight. I know because I've sat in the, sat my butt in a seat and done it. Um, the flight time from Auckland to Perth, I think is 70 hours. Mm-hmm. So we can do that. It's professional sport. Yeah. Why not? I need this, Andrew. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we if we're going that far, surely we can get Toronto involved somewhere. Well, it's better than fucking Cairns, isn't it? And I'm not I'm not shitting on Cairns as a place. I'm just saying, if you want to have a team in the Pacific Islands, put a team in the Pacific Islands. Well, that's right. It it really does come down to, I suppose, if if the game was smart, which at the moment being run by PVL, it's not. Um, it would be looking at areas where they've got not just current interest, but future development opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. Like Melbourne was not it. Okay. They did that because, you know, a lot of money came from Melbourne for them to have an NRL team, and the NRL was going, yeah, fair enough, then no worries, we'll take that. Yeah. And, you know, News Limited propped them up for ages. Um. But as we've seen, there's next to no junior development going on down here. Um, you know, the salary cap shit didn't help. That that killed off what inroads had been done in that area. But still, that's that's what ten years ago as well, twelve years ago. Hasn't really been any bounce back since then. No, and I still haven't had any Victorian players come through and join the NRL since then. So it's. We need to go to a place where instead of thinking, right, we need to compete with the AFL, we need to think about where we're going to get continued, um, you know, player pool. That's why I, I like the territory. Um, I know there's I know there's logistical dish issues with that, but it's, you know, it can be solved. I think, yeah, they're not that bad. No. I think, though, Perth has to be in there. Because what we need to look at, and I think you may have mentioned it before, is the time difference. Mm-hmm. That's key. We, we we all accept that TV dictates where these teams are going to be. And having a team in a different time zone is fucking gold. That's what Perth gives us. That's what Adelaide and Darwin gives us. That's That's where we need to be. We don't need a team in North Sydney. We just don't. No more Sydney teams, please. It's fucking done. Mm. Why are we still trying to bring the Bears back? Why are we trying to bring back one of the most unsuccessful teams out there in like in the history of the game? Their the glory days were before the Great Depression. Yeah, and they lasted two years. Yeah. <laughs> Their next glory days were in the 90s where they didn't win a single title. And that was like the Great Depression. <laughs> it's just the only, the next the next most unsuccessful team after the Norse were the Magpies. Norse had two premierships twenty twenty one uh, sorry twenty one twenty two. Magpies only had four premierships in their existence from nineteen oh eight to nineteen ninety nine. You know, if anyone's sitting there hollering for the magpies or the bears to come back, it's because they're idiots. Yeah. We don't bring back dead teams that have got no 
successful history behind them. Why would you? We're seeing it now with the West Tigers. They're now being largely run by the Magpies. It shows. Yeah. There's a zinger. Um, Didn't realise you hated the Magpies that much, former oh, down main fan. Where? <laughs> I'll just I'll just put this out there. These are just stats. Balmain made the finals at least once in every decade from when they started. The they blood did. feud continues. It continues. continues. Why don't you just say you want to break it up and go back to Balmain? Fuck. Nah, I just say I, it. I don't, and the reason being is because it'll bring Benny Elias out. <laughs> I, I can't have that. <laughs> He'd be suckling that teeth immediately. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I've, I've got to apologise. Um, yeah, that that's the downside to being a Balmain <laughs> fan. Is it means more more Benny Elias exposure, and we don't need that. I just can't wait for the Mitch Moses era to be back at the West Tigers next year. It's going to be so good. I know he, it's he's still too young. <laughs> <laughs> Get him when he's twenty nine and he's finished. No, that. No, how old 30, would he be? Thirty two, thirty three. That, yeah, that's when yeah. I'll You'll be in the Haas pairing up with Luke Brooks with um... <laughs> Luke Brooks still. Oh yeah, he's not going anywhere. Luke Brooks is on contract until he turns like, forty. I can't wait until like Tim Sheen's still a coach, like seven years from now, eight years from now, because Benji didn't quite pan out because he got the fuck out of there. Um, he, got, he got sacked by Sheen's. Yeah, he got sacked. He, he took over and <laughs> there was a review. <laughs> He gets sacked by Sheens because Sheens is the right man for the job. Just ask him. Sheens sacked his protege. But then the plan is when Luke Brooks retires, when he's like 39, he's going to take over as the coach. That's right. Yeah, that's the plan all along. All this time, Benji thought he was the golden child. Yeah, it's always Luke Brooks. You're just the middle child, Benji. (laughs) Luke Brooks retires. Why is the club with all the money they gave me? <laughs> he could. Fucking. Hey, Luke Brooks, is, Luke Brooks, let's think about this. He's playing the long game here because he goes, you know what? If I if I drive this team into the ground, the value is going to be very, very low. It's not going to cost much to buy them out. If I maintain this higher salary and stay here and do this whole, oh, I'm loyal to the club gimmick, I'll be able to buy them on like two years worth of income instead of costing like 20 million to buy the club. It's only going to cost me two. And then that's when I'll turn it around and then I'll sell it for 20 million. And he's sitting back rubbing his hands together going, yeah, I just made 18 million bucks. Only took two years. (laughs) Isn't it crazy to think that Luke Brooks is a multi-millionaire a number of times over? from playing rugby league at the West Tigers and he's never played a finals match and they're completely committed to continuing that going forward. Mm. I'm not even I'm not even mad at Luke Brooks. I can't be. I know. I know. I fucking keep taking their money. Keep yeah. taking their money. Exactly right. I'd, I'll never get mad at a player for taking the money. It's so, Same it's with not... David Fafita, by the way. Yeah. David you take all that fucking coin the Gold Coast, you just keep taking it. Yeah, we've made it clear. Fafita's not the idiot for staying. No. The Titans are the idiots for fucking offering that money when they know full well they shouldn't have. Yeah. Same goes for the Tigers. They know full well they shouldn't be given 
either Mitch Moses or Luke Brooks a million dollars a year, and yet they were offering it. Yeah, ne- ne- I've never, ever begrudged a player for taking the money because it's it's free real estate, man. <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, an NRL career is fleeting. Yeah. Unless it's, you're it's a decade at best. Yeah. Well, yeah, well Luke, unless you're Brooks. Or like Stanley Jean, where it was a number of decades. <laughs> I think he played in Papua New Guinea's first game in 1972. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. He's probably still playing up there in the uh, PNG Cup. <laughs> I bet he would still be playing well. It'd be like him and uh, Cliffy Lyons and, and Dale Shearer. Oh, mate. <laughs> thing about Stanley G, man, is I remember watching one of the um, UK games on TV late one night, and they had the – it must have been one of the grounds where they've got to have the microphones for the – you know, on the actual turf. You know, some of the grounds are really, really small, so the microphone's actually really close to the sideline. Yeah. And Stanley G did – just did a hit-up um, on, on the edge of the ruck. He wasn't trying to break his line. It was like, you know, the player broken down. So he just, off the off of standing start, just did a hit up. And the pain that he inflicted on the bloke who had to tackle him, he didn't even go, Ooh! and he went, fuck me, he, he like ran off five steps. <laughs> I went, that's how you knew. Stanley Jean was made of something that wasn't human. Yeah. He was tough, man. And every time he tackled someone, he wasn't running in and doing those big hits like Sonny Bill Williams used to do. He'd just get down low and get into a good... He had a good technique. He'd get, he'd get down low and he'd hit you at the bottom of the ribs. But it looked like he was crushing the souls of humans every time he tackled them. It's so cool when you have players like that that are just timeless, hey? Oh, he's phenomenal, man. He's just He didn't do anything that was freakish. It wasn't like watching Benji Marshall. I just love watching him doing the most basic of parts of rugby league that everyone does. But for mm. some reason, when he did it, he was killing humans. <laughs> it's weird how some players, <laughs> like, some players just have a really good technique, like Trevor Gilmeister did. Yeah, Nigel um, Plum in defense. Nigel Plum. Uh, what's the, the players would avoid him. What's the player that, uh, and I can't remember his name, I had him in one of my fantasy rugby league teams for years, that played for the West Tigers. He was a halfback. Oh, Lincoln Withers? Yeah, was it Lincoln Withers? Yeah, I mean, he he was a good defender. Where he would just at, he was just this halfback that would axe people. He wasn't real good at all the other halfback stuff, but no, he he was a he was a um, small looking fella. Yeah, and he would often play at hooker as well because he was quite a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he he was a, he was generally one of those good ones. So you just watch him and go, oh, he's coming in for a tackle. Someone's going to bump him. Oh, how did he do that? Just, <laughs> they just stop him. And it's just all technique. For whatever yeah. reason, it's just all technique. Uh, Antonio Cafusi, have you seen the hits he's been putting on this year? No. He has been fucking... Felice Cafusi? Felice Cafusi. Yeah, Antonio yeah. Antonio Cafusi. There's uh, Antonio Cafusi. He was yeah, yeah, he played years ago. Yeah, anyway. Police, yeah, I have seen some of the ones. You know what's been good about him? And I, I remember saying this, um, might have been in the preview, mm. saying that he will be a really good pickup if his discipline is on point and he's not giving away stupid penalties. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he's not been giving away penalties, he's not been doing grubby shit, and he's just been folding humans. Just crushing 
Yeah. Absolutely crushing. Because he does have that sweet timing when he makes a tackle. Wade Graham's another one. Yeah, Graham, when he was at his best, he could crush a, crush someone. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Moses Leota can do it too, man. Moses Leota, when he's on, it's he's just a destroyer. It's it's weird with Kafusi though, because like a couple of years ago, I think it was, I was like, it's over for him. You know, he's just, I don't know why the storm is persisting. And then here we are a couple of years later and he's absolutely folding people in half. It's It's so cool to see. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love being wrong like that. Like, Absolutely. when you're wrong about something like that, it's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, that has been good. Um, did you know, other than in 1908, only two teams have won their opening three games in their debut season? Really? Yeah. Two teams that opening games in their debuts. Can I try and guess them? You can, yes. Okay. Um, oh, look, I'll, I'll name the three in 1908, okay? It was Glebe, South, and East. Okay. I'm going to say, I don't know. I've I've got no idea about this, so I'm just going to guess. Um, oh, there's a few I want to guess. I'm going to okay, Brisbane? Yes. And part of me wants to say Melbourne Storm. Yes. Okay. That's it. That's it, yeah. No, there's the Broncos and the Storm. I was, do you know the other one that I was a little intrigued by was mm. uh, St. George. I wondered if they had, because I no. knew that they were pretty strong when they come in. In 21, when their debut year, I think they only had one or two wins, and it was a very short season too. Oh, really? Yeah, so. See, I, in my head that they were, maybe I'm thinking like they were just a strong district and it was obvious they needed I'd, to be in. They were definitely a strong district because yeah. they, they very nearly were one of the pioneering teams in 1908 yeah yeah the musical chairs that went on in that that debut season when they were getting teams set up meant that for some reason they were always plan b and plan b never got activated mm-hmm. they went to plan a they also went to plan c they kept skipping plan b <laughs> so the we got getting into the issue episode here but anyway um so yeah they had they had eight teams and so they went, okay, we don't need St. George. And then they added in, no, sorry, they had six teams. They went, we don't need St. George. Then they added in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Went, okay, well, now we're going to need St. George. So St. George are going to come in then. And then they got uh, another team. I've got to remember how this all worked. So, no, they had, that's right. So they had... Yeah, we figured it. Yeah, so they had seven teams. Then they got Newcastle across the line to make it eight, and they had St George to be the ninth team because they knew they were, they were looking at a tenth team, which was going to be Cumberland. Mm-hmm. Cumberland were initially going to say, "Sorry, we're not going to be able to field a team." So they went, "Okay, St George, we don't need you because you're going to make it an odd number." And then Cumberland went, "Oh, hang on, we're going to have enough players." And by then, the season had already started. So <laughs> Cumberland came in. They went, "Oh, don't worry about St George. We'll bring you back next time." And then Newcastle dropped out at the end of the following season, so they were back to an even number. And Cumberland dropped out also at the end of 1908. So they needed a new team for 1910. And Annandale said, we'll come in. And they went, okay, you can come in. So George has gone, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) So then Annandale dropped out at the end of 1920 when they brought in university. And they've gone, for fuck's sake, you skipped us again. The league's going, well, all right, we'll have, a, we'll have an odd number. We'll bring St. George in next year. 
So St. George came in in 1921. And then it could be argued that it was from the time that St. George got brought in that the machinations were in process to find one of the teams to get rid of so they could get the teams, the competition back to an even number. Mm. They've always been fascinated with having an even number of teams. I, I get why. I yeah. get why. You know, um, it's just economics. It's like when you have an uneven number of teams, it's you're, you're wasting the the salary of the team that's sitting out that week, you know. It's also there's a bunch of fans for a team that aren't attending games for a week. Yeah. Well, you look at this week, the Panthers have the bye. Um, and it, I think it's a really good time for the Panthers to have the bye, to be honest. They've got a couple of little injuries. Um, but, you know, it's kind of weird. As a Panthers fan, I was like, I'm ready for the next game. And it's like they're having a the week off. I think they all went down to the coast, actually, to have a mini camp, which was an interesting move. That's the way to do it. Speaking yeah. of the buy, there's been a bit of complaining by a few people on online about the buy. Mm-hmm. Why do we give points for the buy? And that's a fair call because I think we shouldn't because it's stupid. It is a bit strange. You know what it is? You know what it comes down to? It's people that they don't like seeing other teams being overtake them during the buy round. So they like to see their team just get free points during the buy round. That's what it is. I've got a stupid idea. Okay, don't hit me with it. I mean it, it's stupid. Okay. This is by no means serious, and I don't want this to come into play. Okay. I'm just I'm just being a dickhead, just for the okay. sake of of complaining about the buy. Okay, yeah, look, yeah, okay, go for it. Okay. At the end of the regular season, you look at, you know, we haven't given anyone buy, buy points at this stage. At the end of the regular season, okay, we look at where everyone's placed on the ladder. If you're first... You get two points for having a buy. If you're second, you get four points. If you're third, you get six points. And so on and so forth until you get down to you know, 17th, you get 34 points for a buy. <laughs> and I did this purely yes. just for a laugh to see what would happen if I did this to the 2022 ladder. Yes. And it, after I'd done all of that, we had three teams on 44 points, and that was Canberra, Brisbane, and the Dragons. Yeah. Canberra's the minor premiers. <laughs> the next four teams, so this is fourth to seventh, we're on 42 points, and that's Penrith, the Roosters, South, and the 15th place Warriors. Yes. And then there was a very large battle for eighth place. The Cowboys, though, got it. Yeah. And they were on 40 points. Please and tell me who ninth was. Melbourne. Ah. <laughs> but... There was Melbourne, Cronulla, Parramatta, Manly, Newcastle, and the West Tigers were all on 40 points. So that means the Tigers were essentially equal ninth. Equal ninth. <laughs> and then Canterbury and Gold Coast were la- uh, equal last. But wow. on that, there was only six points separating first from last. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you look at it, there was two points separated um, fourth from 14th. That battle for eighth place was insane. Yeah, that would make it crazy. There you go. I always, I lose my <laughs> mind when, you know, whenever we have a golden point game and people like decide that for whatever reason we should have two points for a win, mm-hmm. zero points for a loss. Mm-hmm. But then if you're losing golden point, you get one point. And it's yes. like, I, I just want to feed those people through a fucking wood chipper. I had someone 
Who was it now? I think it was one of the radio stations was talking about it recently. Mm. I'm not talking about... Um, yeah, some sort of stupid system like that. And I basically went through and said, if we went and changed it to what they said, mm-hmm. and we used the 2022 ladder as a guide, and it wasn't a bad year because there was a fair few Golden Point games last year, it would have meant absolutely no change to the top 13 sides <laughs> at all. Yeah. So why bother? Yeah. Like it, it made their whole argument completely farcical, and they stopped talking about it the minute I told them that. Yeah, and look, that's fair enough, because if you get if it's pointed out to you, that it wouldn't make a difference. It's like, oh, okay. You know, that's fair enough. But it's not hard to do that research yourself, though. Just go, you know, I'll just have a look and see if this will work. And all you're doing is adding the points that you suggest all along and changing it around and going, oh, it's not going to work. I'll just keep that stupid idea in the fucking back of my head and I won't make a dick of myself online about it. Speaking (laughs) of weird systems, whoever won that preseason challenge that, where you got points for line breaks and bullshit like that. Manly? Did they? Yeah. Big celebration about that, huh? I think they got a million dollars. I, I thought it was 100000 There's no way it was a million bucks. No way. What are they going to do with $100,000? You're not even going to get rid of the asbestos on one end of the ground with that. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Maybe they could dig up the North Sydney jersey that's been buried under the northeast corner the of that. The ground house. is sour. The ground is sour. The ground is sour. That's how <laughs> it said it in the movie. Remember that? I do, yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. So, well, it's been a fucking good episode, hey? It has. Long overdue. Sorry yeah. for that, people. Yeah, that was my fault. And and my fault. No, it wasn't Come, all your It was yeah. mostly my fault. It was like 80% my fault, at least. But let's blame someone else. PVL. PVL, fucking bastard. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you want to chat about the games coming up this week or not? Uh, yeah, let's have a look at them, seeing we'll as Penrith aren't playing. We'll have a quick gander. It gives um, a fuck. That's right. <laughs> Merely Parramatta. Um, Cooper Johns has been dropped and replaced by John Schuster. Yeah. And Parramatta's unchanged. Who do you reckon is going to win that? You have to go with the Eels, although the Eels definitely have taken a step back this year, and as they're always going to, you know. Um, the, I, the Eels at the moment look like a team that's going to finish about a, a finish about sixth place to me. But we'll yeah. see if they can improve. But yeah, that definitely the Eels. I think that the I know the Seals are on top of the ladder. I don't think that's going to stay. I'm going manly. Are you going manly? Yeah, I'm going manly. Um, Why not? Okay. Fuck Moses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, Your hatred for him is almost as much as your hatred for the the fucking West's side of the joint venture. Exactly. He's probably probably from out out that way. (laughs) No, he's from Benny Elias. That's even worse. Um, The Knights play the Dolphins. The Knights have got a fair few players out. Ponga with another concussion, Braley with a concussion, Frizzell with an ankle, and Jacobs Saifidi's injured. Gamble's... Is he injured or is he suspended? Oh, sorry, he's suspended. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tyson Gamble's going to be at halfback. Oh, no, he's going to be at 5'8", next to Jackson Hastings. Lockie Miller at fullback. Um, quite a few new new faces there. 
The Dolphins have got Jeremy Marshall King out, which means Nick Arum will be hooker. Um, got to go Dolphins there because the Knights are they're dreadful. Yeah, the, the Knights look like shit. Um, Dolphins definitely. Dolphins look fantastic, considering they've been together for like a few months. Um, the Knights apparently, first of all, Ponga is at that point where he needs to ask questions about his future as uh, in in this game um and the knights were apparently going to the nrl and saying that they might need to have some sort of um there there was a suggestion that they were going to struggle to put together their team for this week and when you're doing that in the third week of the season, you're not putting together your squad properly. <clears throat> that That's actually laughable. Yeah. Yeah. How have you lost half your squad in two weeks? Yeah. Like, you've got a 30-man squad. That's nuts. They're going back to their working class roots. Ah, digging the coal miners out of the mines that aren't there. Yeah, apparently. All right. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Roosters and the Rabbitohs on I Friday. Haven't seen, I haven't seen the Roosters play this year yet. Um, so I, but the Rabbitohs looked so good last week, even in their loss. I, I find it hard to tip against them. Yeah, we're going south on this one. Um, JWH and Radley return uh, for the Roosters. Um. The Bunnies have got a few bench players, I think, coming back, as well as Tavita Totola. So their forwards are going to be back to almost full strength there. Yeah, it's hard to go past South, to be honest. Yeah, and look, I've seen uh, some of the complaints from Roosters fans about their side. I I didn't understand the whole thing about the Roosters being favourites at the start of the year. I thought it was kind of strange. Um but I, as I said, I haven't seen them play yet so far this season. So I'll watch this game and I'll I'll get a better gauge on where they are. Yep. Um, next is Titans versus Melbourne. Um, Brian Kelly's back for the Titans, which pushes Philip Sammy to the wing. Um, Verrills is out, so Chris Randall's going to be at hooker. Who? Verrills um, played with a busted collarbone, hey? Verrills is a very good hooker. He was playing very well, but when he came off the field, I was like, that's the problem. Yeah, he's he is very good. I, I do rate him. Um, I don't know why the Roosters let him go. I know that they've got um, Brandon Smith there, but you always need a plan B just in case someone gets injured. Um, I think that's the problem, that, he, that the plan B is always injured. Yeah, Verrills is good. Um, for the Storm, Olam, Coates, Kamakamitha all return, and um, Tarek Sims will also be making his debut. Um, Nelson Asper-Samano is out for nearly two months. What with? Uh, I assume it's an injury. I didn't see what happened in that game. Um, they injured. So they've got they've got a, a you know four genuine starters all coming into their side. So they're going to be quite a lot stronger this week. I, I've got a stat, and that is Melbourne have lost their last three, round three games. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Um, 
but I think they're going to come out of the blocks here and probably put a score on the Titans. It's weird when I in my head when I go through the lineups of these two teams, part of me wants to tip the Titans, hey, but <laughs> then I how can you? I yeah. I can't tip them. I can't. No, you can't. It's just it's it's too hard to do that. Yeah. Um Cowboys Warriors. Peter Hickey and Scott Drinkwater are both out for the Cowboys. Um and for the Warriors, uh Charles Nickel Clock's out out with a concussion, uh, as is Jackson Ford, and they've got a young bloke uh, making his debut at fullback. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys there, and I think I think they're probably also they might run away with this one as well. Yeah, um, going up there to North Queensland, uh, you can't go past the Cowboys in that one. No. Broncos Dragons. Um, Corey Oates is injured. Jesse Arthurs comes in for him. The Dragons are unchanged. Broncos should win. But, the bro- but, yeah. I don't know. You you got some question marks over them, Dino? I don't know. I, I, I was, I was going to say, like, the Broncos should win, but, you know, they've got Billy, Billy Walters at hooker, and I'm just not sold on him. And then I look across at the Dragons and they've got Moses and Bidehooker. I'm like, well, <laughs> they kind of cancel each other out. So the Brisbane should win. If you, okay, here's a question. You have to take one to start every game for you. Who do you take, Billy Walters or Moses and Bai? Probably Mbai because he's less likely to get injured. I would take Billy Walters every day of the week. Yeah, I'd, I'd look, I'd, the only way I could make a decision on that is if you were to blindfold me, spin me around 15 times and make me point at one. <laughs> That's fair enough. I really like the Broncos in this one. I think that they, they could whip the Dragons. Um, I just I think that they're playing great footy and they, they look like a complete team finally. Mm. No, I'm with you on that one. Um, the Bulldogs versus the West Tigers. This is the first time the West Tigers will have played at Belmore. Ever. Ever. That's weird. The last time a Tigers team was playing at Belmore, Balmain beat the Bulldogs in 1998. Wow. The last time a West team went to Belmore, the Magpies got beat by 50 in 1998. (laughs) (laughs) Make it that what you will. Um, Wow, what is it with you and Wests? Far out. Just stating facts. (laughs) Spitting facts. Um, Bulldogs are unchanged. The Tigers have got... Um, Charlie Staines at fullback. Um, Lee uh, Laurie's out with an injury. Tommy Talaus can cast. Stafford Toll will be in the centres for him. Sean Bloor returns into the back row. Offhand Gowie goes to the bench. Safe Fath is out of the 17th. And Papa Lee will miss the game because he's suspended. And Wakeham replaces Simpkin on the bench. This is a classic genius uh, shifting the deck chairs on the sinking ship. That'll all be really good for their cohesion. It'll go great. Uh, all they need is like a former first, like park first grader rugby union player to be making his debut and that'd be complete. Well, the other thing is John Bateman's on the extended bench. So, you know, oh, what? Well, that... he might come in as well. Why not? He might replace Coruscant. I just need to take a moment. <laughs> okay. Bulldogs are going to whip them. I, I did post a tweet of a of a specific stat 
mm-hmm. which was entirely about the Bulldogs, but it was entirely also focused on this game, and that was um, the Bulldogs haven't haven't produced a score of forty plus since twenty eighteen. Oh, that's that's <laughs> a that's under risk. That's it. That's yeah. That's one of those ominous tweets. It feels like kick out two tries, hey. Um. Yeah, I think Kikau, um, Avarillo, Adokar should probably get five or six. Yeah, Adokar. Um, Kyle Flanning will probably get three tries and 19 goals or something like that. It's, it's one of those games. somehow hate him. That's right. <laughs> um, and the last game is Canberra versus the Sharks. And the Sharks have got an atrocious recent record against the Raiders. I think the Raiders have won their last eight games against the Sharks. Um, oh, I think this is the hardest one of the round. Huh? And the Raiders are largely unchanged. And for the Sharks, they're largely unchanged as well. Jack Williams comes on to replace Connor Tracy on the bench. Um, mm. Yeah, oh, Mike Graham's out for, what was it, three more weeks with his suspension? Um, I think I will go with the Sharks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go the Sharks in that one. Yeah, I think the the thing that separates them is the Sharks can score points, whereas the Raiders, I'm less convinced of their attacking ability. The Raiders get quiet at points in games. Yeah, defensively they're going to be strong to get through. Um, but yeah, I think the Sharks have got a bit more points in them. So there it is. That's yeah, the upcoming it, week of footy. Just looking at the the draw, and then it's got Panthers by, and it's like with the woke stuff again. Wow, Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know it's going to be tough is when the West Tigers have got the buy. Was that? You, can you seriously just gift the West Tigers two points? <laughs> hey, by the way, did you see that the NRL has? They said that they won't have a pride round. They've decided against it, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's it's that weird thing where it's just everyone's going to get angry for whatever reason about those <laughs> things. And, and it's like... That's was the respect round. Yeah. So, look, I don't know if it's the right or wrong decision. All I know is that everything's going to make everyone angry. And so, I, I just want to watch football, man. I think what they should have done is just go, you know what, fuck it. Let's either we either dive all in and do pride round. Mm. Or we don't have anything at all. Any rounds. Well, you know what I think. No, you, you can have the other ones. But, like, don't either have a pride round yeah. or don't have one. The respect round, it's a pissy attempt to sit on the fence. Yeah. And you can't be sitting on the fence. It's just not It's not possible to do anymore. Yeah. So you've got to go. You've got to step on one side of the fence or the other. And they should have just went either, yep, we're doing it, or no, we're not. Yeah. And it would have been easy enough if they just said, yeah, we're going to do it. And everyone gets to wear rainbow jumpers and all the kids get excited. And you just frame it as kids being excited because they like rainbows, not because of any of the the LGBTQI stuff. And that's how you would have got around it if they really yeah. wanted to. They could have just run that narrative. Um, but now it looks like they're by, – by only putting a toe in the water, as much as it – as they like to think that it's still showing respect to the LGBTQI community. The fact that they're not doing a pride round is the stronger message. Um, 
as far as PR goes. And that's that's how it's going to be construed. So you're right, it is going to be around where everyone's going to get angry because they're going to say, what can they just do a pride round? What if we just had an everyone gets angry round? Wouldn't that be cool? Well, there's an idea. What would, like, like, uh... Fucked off round. Yeah, fucked off. Everyone's got to really? go to Leichhardt and watch their team lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the Tigers. It's called the NRL, isn't it? Um, where you could just have, like, the both the joint ventures. They just get angry about being joint ventures. And then we have an every, everyone has a jersey clash. That would be cool. On on that round, Bowman plays Wes and St. George plays Illawarra. That would work. Ashley Klein referees every game. Yep. Um, what else? Just Ricky Stewart. Two just bunkers. Stewart. Just Two Ricky bunkers Stewart. for every game. Um, um, what else could you Yeah, actually, you know what? Ricky Stewart is not allowed to get fined for any of his comments in the post-match presser. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you about Jamin Salmon when he was eight. <laughs> um, and then every single decision goes to the video referee. Yep. Uh, what else could you have? The every... touch judges, and they've got to wear those glasses that, you know, the glasses that you wear when it's like the effect of being drunk. <laughs> Yes. Um, so, you know, I'd also like to see the return of that um, that camera that the Super League refs had on about five or six years ago. It looked like they had a jockstrap on their head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring that back. You get ref cam. Phil Gould gets a microphone put in front of his face. Uh, <laughs> he made some comment about how we should always, you know, respect the the educated people and the scientists and stuff like that. And then at the same time, he's talking about how we've gone all soft on um, brain injuries and things yeah. like that. And you're going, pick a lane, Phil. I know, right? <laughs> Fucking it's Karen's like at it again. It, yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> when people say, with all due respect, and then they just fucking slag someone. It's just yeah. like, shut up, just slag them. Yeah. You're going to slag them, slag them. That's right. Yeah, it's the old, I'm not racist part. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It really is. What else I'm, could you have for hatred round? Um, we play all of the games at um, at the Olympic Stadium at weird times. I was thinking we'd have, have them all at Leichhardt. That way it's fucking impossible to get there to watch. Have Magic Round as the Angry Round, and it's all at Leichhardt. And all eight games are on the one day. Yeah, that would be good. You just start kick off at 10 in the morning and have an hour between each game. <laughs> Jerome Luai gives a speech like Trent Barrett did that year. Oh, there's an idea. Remember that Trent Barrett speech? No, what was that one? They, oh, you don't remember that. It was one of the. It was very early when the NRL was formed, and they basically uh, their budget must have been really tight. So they're like, this year we're not doing advertising or anything. We're going to have the players give a speech, right? So they had Trent Barrett giving the speech, and so he gives a speech before the first game of the season, and they were playing this goofball music behind him while he was giving this speech. It was so dumb. It sounds as cringy as it was. I wish somebody could find the footage of it because it's so stupid. Is it like the stuff that um, 
Matt Nabel does. It was uh... like there's, there was one I saw on, of Matt Nabel today, mm-hmm. and he's walking as he always does. He's walking through a, a hallway or something like that. Mm-hmm. He says, um, "If these wheels could talk, that's well known fact that winners don't quit and quitters don't win." No, it's that's 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 a naval line. That's a good. <laughs> I just want Matt Nabel to do all of those things all the time. I I love them because they are what they are. Oh yeah, they're, they're cliche as fuck, but they they're great. I love everything about them. I'd love for it I'd, to I'd, go. I'd love Matt Nabel to do the intro for this podcast. It would be great. It's like he starts in like, do you smell that? That smells like a new episode of Fergo and the Freak. He's Andrew Ferguson. How's about this other bloke? They call him League Freak. Do you love statistics? So do I. And these two blokes, they don't quit because they're winners. Just say, just saying words that don't really mean much about anything. <laughs> it's like Sundays. Don't we all love Sundays? Yes, I guess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What's better than an ice cream in the park? An ice cream in the park on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> he's called Wayne Bennett. And he's old. <laughs> that's that's good. I reckon we could we could do that. Mm, mm. I'm 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 here for that. Yeah. Um what were we talking about again? Who knows? Oh hatred round. Hatred round. Yeah, hatred round. I think what we need to have for hatred round two is at halftime for the halftime entertainment, the mascots actually have to have a UFC bout and no one is allowed to go back onto the field until one of them has been murdered. The, the first one to go, and I love him, but the bunny, like he's too cute. He's just, I think it's an old guy that's in the bunny suit too. I just feel like someone's just going to just take him apart. But they might do, but he's probably the only one that's likely to be um, carrying a shiv. <laughs> <laughs> who, who do you reckon? I feel like the, the the mascot that would end up killing all the other mascots would be a dark horse one like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the dolphin is, but I feel like the dolphin. I wouldn't want to fuck with the dolphin. A murderous dolphin. Yeah. I remember going to the Storm Games when they were at Olympic Park just before they went to Amy Park. Mm-hmm. And their Storm men would go around and he'd have a... a like a plush toy for mm-hmm. the for the opposition team, and every time he'd do a lap on his on his little quad bike, and then he'd get the toy and he'd throw it in the air, and then he'd do like wrestling moves on it, flying elbow drops and shit like that. I'm backing that guy. I I tell you that we're lucky we don't have them anymore, right? First of mm. all, Captain Charger for the Gold Coast Chargers. I feel like he would do something super inappropriate to another <laughs> mascot. I'll leave it at that. But then the one that would be fucked up and would be like, it, it just would win it all, would be the old Steelers dude. Remember him? Mm. I think he was he would wear a motorcycle helmet from memory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he'd be the one that would like, it'd be like, stop, he's killing them. <laughs> he'd take his helmet off and he'd just be bashing the head in with the helmet. Yeah, boop, and, boop, and not, not like... Not like, oh, he's bashed the head in there unconscious. Like, he's pulping them. What's <laughs> yes. going on? 
yeah, there's nothing there above the shoulders, just a mess. Yeah. It's just mint. And he's still going, you know. <laughs> That's right. He's actually creating a divot in the ground. Yeah, he's, he's still going. going. He, he stops only because he's realised that this job's done and there's more to kill. <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember his name. Stanley. Stanley Steeler. I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Violent man. <laughs> he, was hard, he was hardcore. <laughs> What's the Reggie? Is it Reggie Rabbit? Reggie Rabbit. Yeah, I think it's Reggie Rabbit. Yeah, I feel like he'd be the first to go. Yeah, I reckon the Titans guy might go. The Titans? Yeah. Just full of cocaine. <laughs> Allegedly. He's just he's just all um he's just all outfit man. You just he's you just look over. He's doing lines off of Reggie's corpse. <laughs> Who have the Roosters got? Rooster Man. Yeah, the, I don't... Oh, yeah, the Roost. Yeah, I remember the Rooster. Yeah. 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 The Dragons have got that old bloke, Skull. Is he still around? Skull? Yeah, remember that guy? No. Old bloke. He was a ball thrower. When, whenever they show footage of um, the early 2000s after the bunnies had been kicked out, mm. and they've got the big march through Sydney of all the rugby league fans. Yeah. Skull's always on there and he's yelling something about, you're not going to ruin our game, Murdoch, or some shit like that. And he's yelling it to the screen. He's got his big St. George Red V jumper on. Oh, really? You haven't seen it? I'm sure you have. No. If, I, if I find it, shot you, you go, oh, that guy. It'll jolt my memory. Yeah. I feel like the St. George, you know how they've got the St. George Dragon, their mascot? Mm-hmm. I feel like the St. George Dragon would just be horrified by everything. Because I feel like the St. George Dragon would be the sort of mascot that would drive a Volvo. <laughs> I don't know why. That's why they need to have Skull there. Yeah. He was he was the Dragon's answer to Balmain's Laurie Nichols. If Laurie mm. Nichols was still around, he'd be bashing all of these up. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember him, eh? Laurie Nichols? No, I remember Laurie Nichols, right. but I can't remember the Skull dude from oh, the Skull, yeah, he was angry. He'd he'd love anger anger around. You know what? I was just I was just thinking to myself, Penrith needs a fan like that. We don't need a fan like that this week. Yeah, probably not a good time. Yeah, it's a bad week for that sort of talk. Wasn't wasn't that dickhead though wearing a rooster's jumper? Look, that's what I saw people saying. I, I don't th- even think that that matters what jersey they're wearing. It's just like get oh, the it, fu- get the fuck out. It doesn't know? matter, but you know. At least you can project the uh, the the issue onto someone who's from another team. It is the Roosters' fault, it, isn't it? It's it's very befitting for for anger round. It's like when uh when there would be crowd trouble at games, like when it gets really bad and and people are like, oh, rugby league, and everyone starts cr- uh, clutching their pearls. And it's like, what if we start? docking teams points if they have off-field issues with their crowd and then you get the people that are like well, what's to stop someone dressing up in that team's gear and going there to cause trouble and you're just like you're thinking that too hard man you just it's a great idea though what crowd would you go to and cause trouble dressed as as them oh why are you thinking bulldogs that's weird no, no, I don't think the Bulldogs aren't a threat. Bulldogs aren't a threat. <laughs> <laughs> you 
He says before the Bulldogs put 50 on the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> fucked up. Um, you fucked up. It's a good question. It couldn't be Roosters because you'd be too hot, too easy to spot. You know, there's not many of them. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I actually don't have any hatred for the Roosters. I don't. They're not a second team or anything like that. But I, I, you know, a lot of people just they kind of treat the Roosters the same way they treat Manly. You know, mm. you either hate us or you love us. Mm. I'm I've got no emotional feelings either way towards the to where, you know against or for the Roosters. Yeah, because they shouldn't exist. Is that what you're saying? Well, nah. They they gave me a job when I needed one. Many, yeah. many years ago. So I go, yeah, you know what? I'll I'll let you off. That's fair enough. And you know. I got I got I got a few good memories from there like um um Ricky Stewart making Brett Finch cry. That was, that was a good one. <laughs> um most of the morning most of the days when I went there, um when I started a shift on a Friday night, because I always did graveyard shifts there. Mm-hmm. I went there on a Friday night most nights, and there was a KFC across the road. And if I hadn't eaten anything all day, I'd go over there and grab something to eat before I started my shift because I'd get no chance after I'd start. And I went in there one day, and uh, Willie Mason was in there with a bunch of the Roosters players. This is when he was mm-hmm. still at the, at the Dogs. Oh, jeez. And he's just hassling the scrawny little teenage staff that are behind the counter. Oh, no. He's just sitting there going, I asked for bigger chicken pieces and this and that. I'm sorry, sir. Man, I'm just fucking with you. Like, calm down. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> just winding them up. Yeah. And then he'd come back and do it again. And they'd all fucking panic again. Go, come on, guys. Seriously. I'm just having a, I'm just pissing you. You know, it's fine. That's funny. And he'd walk away and he'd, like, he'd give him a tip. Oh, that's funny. That is. It's always awesome, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there some, some good times there. Um, so I, I don't mind the roosters. I'm fine with them. Plus, you know, they don't like South. So, you know, common enemy. You don't like Souths? Nah. Man, I'm a Bowman fan. I'm, I'm, I was, that's, that's rule one. Is that because, uh, you forfeited? Well, it's just, I think it stems from that. Even though I know, I know the facts around that. And that is that South never once made an agreement with Bowman to forfeit that game. Mm-hmm. Still go well, you know. It's, it's still a reason to hate them. That's fine. <laughs> oh, shit. You take, you take any funny. reason you can latch on to, don't you? I don't know that I hate any team when I think no, about it. I, I don't hate any team. There's teams that I I don't mind watching lose, but I don't hate any teams. But yeah, this, maybe I hate the Tigers, but that's about it. The Tigers. <laughs> There's teams I think shouldn't exist, but that's a different thing. It's like yeah. there's no emotion in it. It's like, why do they exist? I don't get it. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, there's another thing too. Is I put a a, um, a poll up mm-hmm. on Twitter today. Mm-hmm. Genuine historical question. Yeah. I saw I was, this. I actually voted in it. It was about the 1909 final. Yes. And the, the reason why I asked this is because it's very unique, this final, Okay. And so I said, the facts of this game are Balmain lost by a forfeit. South actually kicked off against no one and scored a try. And after that try was scored, the game was awarded to South, which gave them the premiership. And the question was, should the game be declared a 3-0 victory to South? 3-0 because tries were worth three points then. Yeah. And people, it's, it's very mixed. 
And the reason why this is a unique game is because every other forfeit that takes place happens before kickoff. Yeah, it's like the the result. There's there's no actual gameplay. It's mm. just the result is a forfeit before yeah. time. And so I was thinking mostly as a record-keeping statistical thing. Do we give South a 3-0 victory or do we just keep it as zero? Because South have the win. Because there's no scoreline attached, they're not credited with that win against the, in their history. Like it's one less win for some reason. It's one try less if it's when they should actually have it. That doesn't um, make sense then, does it? Well, logically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that was the question I asked. It's had 203 votes. 50.2% yeah. have said yes and 49.8% have said no. I think I, you know what, when I think about because I voted yes that they should get three points on their points total. Mm. But when I think about it, if it's a forfeit before the, there's any contest, like the contest didn't exist because it was a forfeit. So they should get credited with an extra win, but there's no points. There's no scoring points. Yeah, they get nothing because no game was actually officially taking place because they yeah. declared the game as null. The only way it could have points is if, and I think they do this in England, where if you forfeit a game, you get a number of points in terms of your for and against. Yeah. So I think it's something like 10 points or something you get. I can't remember. No, 24. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, 24 nil. What the fuck? Yeah. I, I don't know why. I don't know where they got 24 from. Internationally, it's 30 nil. I don't know why. It's 30 nil internationally. Yeah. That's interesting. It's only happened once internationally. It was between Russia and Ukraine. All right. And there was some, I'm not going to cast any dispersions here, but there was a bit of um, dickiness going on around visas and stuff getting from one country to the other. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but with the COVID, we saw a few 24-nil scorelines issued out in England because of forfeits. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, that's a random one. I thought it was 10 for some reason. I don't know nah. why. No, they try and make it as punishing as possible. I mean, 24, you may as well just make it 300-nil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why bother? It, it's nuts. Um yeah, the thing that was interesting, though, about the 1908-1909 seasons mm. is you still got premiership points for winning games in the finals. How does that work? So, so this is how you determine whether the teams are in the finals or not. Mm. Um, so in 1908, let me bring that one up, we had South and East were equal first on competition points. Yeah. And so... Um, Actually, no, it was a better year. 1911 was a better one because... Um, oh, because you got the chance to challenge the Premiers, didn't you? Kind of, yeah. So in 1911, yeah. we had Glebe were first on 22 points mm. and East and South were equal second were on 20 points. Mm. So in the finals... Um, let's bring those up here. Uh, East beat South in the playoff. Yeah which meant that East End had the same number of points as... No, that one didn't count. Okay. Yeah. So that one didn't count. That was to determine who made it to the, to the final. East won that game. They then played Glebe. 
because East beat Glebe, that meant that East now had 22 points like Glebe, which meant we had to have a decider. So they mm-hmm. played another final the week after called the grand final and East beat Glebe again. And that's how we got the premiership there. I guess if you come from a background where you get points where the premiership is supposed to be decided through the season, I guess yeah. it kind of makes a weird sense. But This is a system they use for the first four seasons, 08 to 11. And then, so in 1910, um, South and Newtown were equal. Oh, no, South, South was second on the ladder. And Newtown were first. And Newtown had one point more on the ladder from memory. And they played in the final and they drew. It was four all in the final or two all in the final. Mm-hmm. So they both got one point on the ladder, which meant South didn't overtake Newtown, so Newtown were declared the Premier. Even though it was a draw, they still had one point more on the Premiership ladder. I'm glad we got rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> so after this system, from 1912 to 1920. Two, they then used what was called first past the post. Yeah. Which meant the minor premier was declared the premier. And the only time that was challenged was if there were two teams on the same points at the end of the year, at the top of the ladder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It sticked around a bit over the years. So, you're not a fan of getting premiership points in the finals? You could, the final system could go on for an extra three weeks. It could, yeah. It, it, I'm just trying to think of a way you could make it work without um, making someone's head melt like the Super <laughs> 8 system, you know? Oh, fuck. And I just can't think of a way you could make stop someone's head from melting. Yeah. That Super and, Race was nuts. I, n- I need to find the video that explained it because that made it worse. It, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I, I don't know where it is. I've got to try and find it, though. By the way, IMG come out with a um, a little bit of a blueprint for how they want the game to look at itself going forward and how they will rate teams based upon, um, I believe, their results mm-hmm. and where they're based and different criteria. And I haven't looked into it completely because there was a lot of noise surrounding it and I kind of want to get a chance to sit down and really think about how it will all work for different clubs. But everyone seemed pretty upset about it. When oh, I so st- it must be good then. Yeah. So, you know, it's the way forward. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because that's the first shot across the bow of everyone in the game over there in the UK. And so, um, we're going to see what happens from that. But I'll sit down and I'll really, you know, have a, a read of everything that come out over the next couple of days um, because, yeah, I mean, there was always going to be changes made and it was going to piss off a lot of people because change always upsets people and we'll find out what happens going forward. Now, there's one last thing I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. This is a weird one, okay. Over in England, Hull KR have decided not to announce attendance figures. So the Love Rugby League website over there, which reports on the UK game very thoroughly, um, mm-hmm. love the work they do. They they wrote this um, this paragraph in one of their articles doing a Super League wrap. 
Hawkeye didn't announce an attendance for their game against Warrington on Friday, which ended an 18-team scoreline for the Wolves. When contacted for an official attendance figure, the club said they will be announcing quarterly attendance figures in 2023 rather than after each game. Why? That's exactly what I want to know. So I asked the club. They've not replied. Um, the, The only reason I can think that you would not be announcing figures of anything um, immediately when you always had done in the past is because you want to hide something or you want to change something. Like there's a nefarious reason behind it. It's not going to be something that's going to be um, better. So all I'm thinking is what they're going to do is they're going to say, right, we're going to get, say, five rounds worth of games mm-hmm. and we're going to hope that some of the you know, like the they might have the derby against Hull FC turn up where they know they're going to get a big crowd. Mm. And they go, right, well, we had two games where we had less than 6,000 people turn up, but the game against Hull FC had 15,000. So we might just make that Hull FC one come down to about 12,500 and take three and a half grand from that, that game and spread it across the other two that had lower crowds and sort of bring those numbers up. The numbers across the year are going to be accurate. Yeah. Like we're going to have set amount number of people came through the through the gates for the whole year, and we got this much money from gate takings, that number's going to be right. But we're going to fuck all the numbers along the way to try and make it, smooth it out a little bit so it looks like we've got good, consistent crowd figures. What if, and I'm just thinking this on the fly, I don't know this, what if it's for an operational reason? So what if it's something along the lines of um, they can't have a certain sized crowd based upon safety concerns or uh they if they have certain size crowds they have to pay for a certain number of security and so if you if you take those higher crowds that they would have and you spread them across the lower attendance crowds then you can go to whoever it is the council or whoever and say well, on average, our crowds are actually this. And so that's why we, so we're underneath this certain threshold. Does that make sense? Uh, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. That's a, just a guess because it makes no sense. Yeah. It's either way, though, it, it's, I, I can't think of anything they're doing other than something deceptive. Yeah. It, yeah. You're going from being um, completely transparent to being secretive about something which is completely pointless to how the games run and for no reason at all yeah and they've given no reason as to why could it be a tax thing i i don't know i can't imagine it's a tax thing it's been reported for a long time though that most of the clubs in england were fudging figures on crowd figures well i think it happens still here i mean every so often how many times have we said uh I think there was a couple of West Tigers games not long ago where we were like, there wasn't that many people there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the couple of games at Parramatta already, were, they've said that there was, like, I think there was a game where they said they had 18,000 there. And in a 30,000-seat stadium, it didn't look more than half full, that's for sure. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It's It's weird. I don't know why you come out and do that. Why not just release any old figure you want? No one's going to know 
That's the beauty of it. You're the official source. There's no other source out there that can confirm or um, verify the data you're giving out. So you can just give out whatever number you want. No one's going to know. And you could have done that and still look transparent and still hidden everything you wanted to do. Yeah. No one would know. What if, if they come out? Say this, you're going, yeah. well, we're hiding something. <laughs> but what if they come out like quarter of the way through the season and they're like, oh, yeah, we've had average crowds of 55,000 people, just letting you know. Which is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> It'd be great. They come out and they say, oh, yeah, these crowds all had six, these games all had 6,000 people turned up. You know, seriously? It's, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's really weird. Um, so I'm hoping that whoever's running rugby league over there, uh, IMG, I think it is, that they take the authority for reporting crowd figures off the clubs and they have a an official that gets that data directly from the ground and not from the club. Well, you think that they'd, if, they're, if they're going to go through an auditing process where they're going to rank clubs on their merit to be in the top grade, they mm-hmm. have to do that. I mean, exactly. you just can't take their clubs. Because yeah. we saw it uh, when the NRL had the criteria that they put out when they were going from, what was it, 22 clubs? Mm-hmm. And they wanted to get to 14. They ended up yeah. at 16. And we saw clubs just bullshitting their crowd figures completely. Oh, so. yeah. So, and it's not like this is going to be – it's going to cost them a lot of money. It costs no. 50p. Pick up the phone and make a quick call. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. Bam, done, out. It makes me wonder who's in charge. Yeah. like Shit like that should never be allowed to happen at any level, anywhere. I feel like if Morris Lindsay was in charge, that would have not happened. He would have rang up and said no. Exactly. Um. I think that's pretty much it. Over in England, Warrington and Catalans are both undefeated after four games. Um, I saw Lee beat St. Helens, so they must be the new world champions now. Thoughts? I don't think I have to say anything. <laughs> St. Helens are currently sitting 10th on the ladder. Mm. One win, two losses. Mm. Mm. Yes. What, what's the best team? Mm. Uh, one win away from relegation. <laughs> Imagine if that happened. Oh, that is that would be catastrophic. You see, mm. the lead, leads are sitting eighth. They, the, you fucking know that if if the last four, if like if the last three clubs, Wigan, St Helens, and Leeds, some fucking official would throw themselves on that hand grenade. They would yep. find a reason. They'd be like. We got we got a call from fucking Prince Charles, and he said we're not allowed to do promotion and relegation this year. <laughs> no, they just go through and go start the next season. And go. What are we, we talking about promotion? That's a soccer thing, isn't it? We don't do that, do we? <laughs> <laughs> they just keep playing. Done. They just keep playing games. It's like round, round seventy two. <laughs> hey, let's have the super eight. Yeah, let's bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> We've decided there's no end to the season. It's just going to keep going. You know, because St. Helens have beaten the best team in the NRL, that means they automatically get 300 points on the ladder. So, you know, they're in the clear. And Leeds once won the uh, World Challenge Cup. So, you know, they get, say, 100 points. 
So they're in the clear. And, well, you know, Wigan will just give us money to get themselves in the clear and we'll take it. Hey, did you see that Sam Tompkins has said he's going to retire at the end of the year? No. Yeah, I saw that during the week. He'd be getting on, though. What would he be about? I reckon 31. Usually pretty good at this guessing I, end, to I'm be really good at, at hay. Um, I'd have thought he was a bit older than that. Okay, I'm calling 31. 30, he's 34 at the end wow. of this month. Oh, that, there you go. That surprises me. Yeah. he's He's been around a bit. Still, I'm surprised by that. He's, play, he's, he's going to play his 300th game this year in the Super League alone. You know, that's good effort because there was a while there he was he was starting to look a bit injury prone. Yeah. Um, so 300 games is pretty good. And 37 for the Warriors. He's going to um, – he said he'd make himself available for England against France. He th- said that that was important. So – Yes. Um, he's going to be a loss for them. I, I've always thought that he was a pretty handy player. Oh, very, very gifted. There's mm. no doubt about it. Um, didn't get enough of the right and good coaching around him when he was younger to turn him into, you know, he could have been turned into an absolute bloody superstar. It was, he made the right decision to come to the NRL when he did. He was His form and everything was right for it, but went to the wrong team. Yeah, wrong team. And I, I think the other thing that hurt him too was, uh, like, if he had to come over as a teenager, I think by the time he had have made a first-grade debut in the NRL, he would have been uh, more physically conditioned to the NRL. Uh, when, he, when he come over to the Warriors, and as you say, wrong team to go to, but he... He he looked like a under twenties player. He was very very slight. Yeah. And he look as he, as the athlete that he was, if he had have got the the better training, he would have been fine. But I think that that hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I, he's very good watching playing England. There was no doubt that he he could have handled the NRL, but um, yeah, he he went to the wrong club. Yeah. Um, you needed to go to a club that played a more English style of footy too, you know, that was a bit more free-flowing because that's what he worked best off. It was that second-phase play and the Warriors at that time were playing this, um, you know, barge through the middle top for footy, more of a grinding style thing. And he just it just wasn't compatible with him. No. As you said, like his body wasn't built for that style of footy. I can't remember who it was that said it, but I remember that there was some commentator said like, you know, don't, don't make the decision to go over to the NRL and then go and play for the Warriors. And this isn't against the Warriors. It's just like, if you're going to go over to Australia to play Australian rugby league, playing bloody Australia. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's I right. thought that that was a, it was a fair enough comment and that's nothing against the Warriors. People know what I, th- I think of the Warriors. I, I very important club to us, but if it was the wrong, wrong team for him at the time. Anyway, that's right. Um, we should probably wrap this thing up, eh? Yeah, how long have we been going for? Oh, about two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, jeez, I hope it fits. That's this, what she said. <laughs> this is what most of our conversations are like when we don't press record. So, um, yeah, yeah. welcome to our world. <laughs> There's been tangents off tangents. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials, on Instagram, Twitter, at Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube as well. Um... Uh, yeah, that's about it, isn't it? 
yeah thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch us all next time